twin. As twin, same exact horoscope. That's right. Does that mean your life is like identical? <laughs> That's the thing. That's the thing. Like your lives are identical. Then, right? They turn out according to horoscopes. Like they have to be identical. Yeah, that's a good point. But horoscopes are usually like vague enough that you can apply what they're saying <laughs> in multiple yeah. situations. I think that's like the secret sauce of how they work, anyway. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's applicable to them. I do think our if as far as horoscopes and personality, I do think we have very similar personalities. But even that isn't exactly the same, you know. Yeah, like temperament and stuff. All right, I send a tweet. She send that tweet. She tag. She tag her. Do you, as like twins, I, I got some twin questions for you. Is that annoying? Me? No. <laughs> Is that your whole life? Is people just asking you twin questions? No, not really. <laughs> you like it? Ask away. Yeah, I think people should ask more twin questions and yeah, appreciate my uniqueness. Normalize it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, what? As like, are you guys just like super duper best friends? Yeah. Yeah. Like more than like, like if you're like, you'd know other people and they're like, oh, we're best friends, we do everything together. And you just kind of were like, ah, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea. The now, now that I'm older. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. like, I don't know. It's like, I'm like this, it's, it's totally, I think it's different. I don't think I would have thought that when I was younger, you know? Wait, thought what? That like oh. other people having a best friend was like the same thing as like having a twin. I think when I was younger, I'd have been like, yeah, it's the same thing. But it's now not. I'm like, no, it's like, no, it's not? different. It's yeah. like, um, we're, we're kind of like an extension of each other. It's like having a, another arm yeah, or something. <laughs> like, well, if we go out somewhere, like let's say we go to like a party and we like separate and go hang out with people. We'll like come back and like download and process all the information together. I'm like, well, I got this side of the party. And like, she's like, well, I, it's like having a, another set of eyes yeah we're like we're like piece together we're like psychoanalyze people are like piece together what's going on with the social dynamics like through the dual inputs that we have it's like having an extra set of like eyes and ears in the world you can like process with because our brains are like very similar i mean we have our differences but like yeah we're pretty close like <laughs> Not the same person though i always think about how like we like physically can't have the exact same experience like i'll be you know in a totally different place all day upstairs doing totally different work and she's down here having a totally different experience so um it's weird <laughs> <laughs> she still cool. has to tell like me everything she yeah. still has to tell me what's going on like i can't read her mind but our lives are intertwined in a way that i don't think people's are with their best friend you know that's like the thing i think yeah do you, you said you don't, but do you have any like secret twin powers? Like telepathy? Like, do you ever get that like? No, being a twin. You'll itself. fall on your arm and then the other one will be like at, at the grocery store and like, ow, my arm hurts. I don't know why. <laughs> nah, it's, it's not that, <laughs> that. Uh, literal. It's not that literal, yeah. Ow, my it's arm like... hurts. I don't understand why. <laughs> like, you take each other's pain or. No, not yeah. that literal. But it's like, um,. It's like, could like concern for her first. Like she's my number one. So like, mm -hmm. I remember reading this story. This twin, this twin's blog. Because I just go out and look for people who can understand this weird thing. And um, she talked about how like her brother. They were at the beach when they were kids, and her she went out too far, 
and it was her twin who was on the shore, like really like concerned for her and her parents weren't like as much. It's like that. It's like you yeah. care more about your twin than your parents probably even care about you. <laughs> yeah. It's um yeah it's weird it's like interesting and it's also not interesting i don't know but also <laughs> like there's definitely, there definitely been times where i could i i can just look at her and know what she's thinking we'll be thinking the same thing at the same time like often where we yeah. just like share a look but i know that other people have that with people they're very close with right yeah. it just that might just be a matter of spending a lot of time together which is like oh, i know what you're thinking just because you've like shared so much time and context together mm -hmm. it's not like so it's like, yeah, we can read each other's minds, but so can other people who've spent like 30 years together, probably, right? I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, I don't know. Maybe they can't, I don't know. But that like happens a lot where we like, we like share a look, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, oh, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's gotta be More useful often. in a lot of situations. Yeah. Yeah, it is a useful thing. It is definitely a life hack in a lot of ways. Like that's true. You split everything. Well, people just kind of think you're, you stand out more, and then people like think you're more interesting than you are. <laughs> so they'll like um, we get like invited to things pretty like often just because it's like oh have the, have the twins there that'll be fun like they're twins like just like it's like novel. You're their show and tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And these, these weirdos are here. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we like to watch. Um, we like to watch documentaries about conjoined twins. Um, Ooh, yeah, yeah, because it's like, dang, like that's crazy. That could have been us if we weren't lucky, you know. Yeah. And um, it's fascinating. I mean, they have way less choices about how their life is going to go than we do you know it's we were just watching one the other day the old the tw conjoined twins that lived the longest of any conjoined twins in the world they just died like two years ago they lived in ohio um what a life yeah like but they love each other but then there was there was other set of conjoined twins from the 1800s that popularized popularized the term siamese twins because they were from siam which is modern day thailand and they're asian and they like married sisters and established separate residences and they would spend three days each in their se separate houses. And while they were in one house, the other twin had to be quiet and they just would do what the other twin wanted the whole time Ooh. and then they'd switch. And um, that's how they maintain separate families. <laughs> and they had like 16 children between them and like, <laughs> or like each or something. They were that's rich. That's pretty base though. That's pretty. <laughs> they that's they pretty were landowners and had slaves. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't say that is based on camera. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's my, you, you can say whatever you want on my stream, yeah. <laughs> I have been canceled and I will be canceled, so. What have you been banned for talking about? Uh, stuff, things. Sometimes it's just, like, I got kicked off of uh, Linktree recently. And it just said, like, for spreading, like, hateful content. And it's Whoa. like, I mean, is preaching the gospel hateful? Like, what is... <laughs> well, you, I don't were know, you commenting on, like... Things, like... But were so, you commenting on, like, transgender issues or anything? That's, like, a big thing that gets people banned. You're not allowed to say there's two genders and stuff. I've gotten it for women, like, like comments I've made about, like, women. Oh. That, like, really aren't even that crazy. It's just, like, when you say, like, a word. 
you will mm-hmm. get banned for using that word, even if the context like you could could easily be explained or something, you know. Oh, interesting. Or it's not hateful, but it becomes quote unquote hateful. I hate. I hate. I hate. You're like my uh, point was love. My point was to, yeah. to express. That's why Kanye's always talking about. It's not hate speech. It's love speech. Yeah. Which is kind of brilliant. But I. I yeah. That term is awful because. Well, it's just like I remember when I was a liberal and I thought that certain views were rooted in hatred, but they're rooted yeah. in like a totally different worldview and way of thinking. Like it's not that, like it's not hate. <laughs> like you like misunderstand. Liberals like fundamentally misunderstand like where people are coming from, and they're just like it's like easy to just be like it's hate. They just hate. They just hate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, your pedestrian kindergarten thinking is like not really capturing the whole thing here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're um like t- hate to them to that side is typically just you're saying something that i can't i agree with or i don't like yeah exactly yeah. and then and therefore rooted in hatred therefore everything's hate and then that becomes so ridiculous because you're like how is that hate <laughs> yeah. you just generalized everything you don't like into this term called hate and then that makes that term hate like lose its meaning. If you're just lumping anything right. that's not it, it you know. Yeah. And now it's to the point where people are like, "Oh, you're a racist," and people are like, "Okay, like I well, don't care. You call me a racist because I like just exist because I like, yeah. like watching NASCAR. I just have a preference of a certain type of sport. Now I'm some white nationalist hate monger, and it's <laughs> like after a while, people literally are just the water. That term gets so watered down. People are like, yeah, whatever. Okay, okay, I, I hate. I guess." Okay, yeah, I'm a they're... racist, whatever, call me that name. Like, I don't care anymore, you know? Yeah, I, oh, I've, I've been desensitized to that as well. Um, totally. Wow. And Americans need to become desensitized to being called that so that we can actually, like, speak yeah. to one another. <laughs> but um, yeah. a really good example of this, I don't know if you remember this, a year ago there was this, the Atlanta spa shooter that, I don't know how much you follow, like, the news, but this guy went on, like, a shooting rampage of, Atlanta spa I don't know exactly what that is but it's like Asian like massage facilities or something and he like killed these I don't know if they're like happy ending massages or like what (laughs) spa means um but he killed these like Asian women and he stated to police that he had a porn addiction and that's why he was like going on a killing rampage because he felt these people were like enabling him or something he was like he was like kind of just mentally ill but like a Christian and like struggling with this and um, and just like, he wasn't well, right? But the media was like, Asian hate, Asian hate, there's yeah. Asian hate. And it was all these headlines of like, he's sad it was because of porn. Asian people just happened to work at these facilities. And like, he was targeting Asians. He was targeting uh. like, like fetish worker or whatever they were doing. I don't even know what they were doing. Um, and uh, anyway, yeah, hate, hate, hate. They just like decided he was motivated by hate because it's easy and simple and they're, stupid and um (laughs) very convenient because then you can like i mean hate speech actually is protected under free speech but if you make like this new thing hate speech then you can start to ban speech because who gets to decide what's hateful right you're not committing any crimes you're just doing something one side doesn't like yeah but that stuff usually backfires anyways like there's going to be a you know, the pendulum shifts, the pendulum swings. Like I remember like, I'll, I'll try to make this ramble short, <laughs> but I remember during Obama's presidency, I kept telling like liberals like, 
Obama's getting pretty tyrannical. Like, he's given himself a lot of presidential powers, and I kept telling my Democrat friends, like, you're not going to be happy when a Republican gets in charge. Oh, and yeah. And then I got whatever, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Of course, flash forward two years, Trump's now in charge and has all <laughs> these extra powers, and they're freaking out. And it's like, I told you so. Like, you were setting these precedents, and you were grabbing power. It's like, the pendulum's going to shift, and there is going to be a Republican in there eventually with all these powers you gave yourself. And I think that same thing is being set up with cancel culture where it's like, they think uh, they have all this power right now being like, I can shut these people up I don't like and I can call them right radicals and that'll kick them off, you know? There's gonna be a pendulum shift to the point where Republicans take back over. Maybe not even Republicans, but just anti-leftists, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna be like, well, now I have the gun. <laughs> and oh, I don't yeah. like what you're saying, so yeah. you're now saying hate speech, you know? It's like when you, you are, set that precedent, it doesn't matter who's in charge. It's going to be used for evil. Yeah, and I remember, like, I remember Milo Yiannopoulos saying that. He was like, I actually like cancel culture, and I want more of it, but I want it against the left, you know? And it was yeah, like, yeah. he was being can- he was like one of the, among the first people to be canceled, right? He was like, oh, actually, like, you know, his position, and many on the far right, is not that, that, so it's not really that cancel culture is bad it's just being wielded the wrong way and that you should cancel like people who you know hold child drag shows or say that there are two genders or like whatever it is you know what i mean like they want you know so yeah i don't know it's uh but we weren't i don't know we weren't like seeing that or at least it wasn't in my purview like the kind of like anti-free speech stuff that's going on like on both sides of the extremes today maybe if we draw we look silly because oh but he's not streaming but but oh yeah but when he does stream yeah we'd be looking down yeah i'm just waiting (laughs) for drawing no draw away i have uh yeah my (laughs) yeah (laughs) she got her the turquoise right you've been working with the turquoise Mm, I love that color. Not in this. I don't have that color of these. But, um, all right, I'll show you. These are cool. I'm a nerd. Um, they look like crayons, but you can, like, wet them and turn them into paint. And they're awesome. So they're crayons and paint at the same time. Love them. That's cool. So much. Japanese made? uh, No, Swiss made. But Uh the Japanese do make the best art supplies. You should do a thread about that. <laughs> yeah, but sa- it was a little, sad. Bit, a little bit of nationalism. Well, little I was like, Japanese like make. Of <laughs> They're like master crafts people. Yeah, crayon nationalism. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But right. someone like totally rained on my parade and was like, "That's because the Japanese have a low birth rate," and like everyone. Let me have okay. The Japanese don't have a low birth rate because they like to make art, they have a low birth rate because of technology, which is now our problem, too. So, I don't know, it's kind of everyone's problem. So, whatever, yeah. That is, um, I was gonna ask because you guys talked about that in um, the recent episode you guys did about the trad, the trad life, yeah, the internet trads. Yeah, we were we were cranky. We were cranky when we made that well, one. What is trad, and are you trad enough? <laughs> no one's ever trad enough. Unless you have a hundred. Are you homes. trad enough? Yeah. 
you have a hundred hummingbirds and five goats, or sorry, a hundred goats. Yeah, and... you just said those crayons came from another country, and we only make our own crayons at home right. at our farm. <laughs> <laughs> we import that. It's literally <laughs> the opposite virtue signaling of the left, right? Because the left is yeah. like, did you go to the? I think we said this. Did you did you go to the protest? Did you renounce your white privilege enough? Do you did you like donate enough to Black Lives? Whatever it is, I don't know what they're doing these days because I haven't been a part of the left in a while. But that was always like the measuring. <laughs> like, did you post a skimpy selfie today? Like <laughs> to sexually liberate yourself? I'm more sexually liberated than you, or whatever it is. Um, but on the right, it's like, how many homebirds do you have? Well, the homebird thing is also <laughs> and weird fetish stuff. I'm convinced. So, like some of the stuff people like the content people make. I only post this in a private Twitter circle, which I'll add you to because I trust you. Um, but like. They post like I don't know. It's just it's just creepy, gross. Like, there's some. Of that it's fetish. In. I'm convinced. I'm just like this is gross. Like normal people are like, oh, you know, shit happens. Stuff happens. It's okay. You end up in a hospital, but the trads are like, no, this is a competition. Yeah, there's some. It's like purity signaling. It, yeah, it's purity spiraling basically. Yeah. Um, and then like people fight over like how many I literally see threads of people fighting over like how far out of civilization they live and how many goats they have. And um, <laughs> it's just dumb. stuff like that. But it's very Twitter, you it's know. Very Twitter. Like I don't know I, I don't think people on other platforms or in the real world would know what we're talking about because that really only exists <laughs> there. Like the yeah, main happens on Instagram. I see it. Instagram. Uh, TikTok, you're, yeah. right. you're right. It that yeah, that stuff has blood over in Instagram too. Um, so find like if you see it on TikTok, it's pretty much like why are you TikToking? Yeah. <laughs> like if yeah. you are really homesteading, why yeah. are you TikToking right Let's now? Have <laughs> why do you have like four or five posts every week? Like shouldn't you yeah. be busy doing stuff in your trad life? You know? Yeah, that's how Sometimes I feel. So no, no one is going to actually be trad. Like they're 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 gonna be bragging about it online for their points if they actually do buy a farm or whatever. So it's like. I don't know. <laughs> just stupid. Well, I think and, so my theory about a lot of men, like the trad young men, you know, young yeah. Generation Z or whatever. Yeah. I think it's like this thing of like, we're so powerless. Like men are finally mm. at a point where we're so like down and out and beaten down and we don't have options and we feel powerless and we feel like used and abused just generally mm. like big picture. And yeah. so it's, it's, I do think it is like a fetish where young men go, well, like my grandpa didn't have to do that. So then they start mm. fetishizing like the 1950s where it's like men were in charge and yeah. I could just like get a woman. And like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like it, the last time like people that in our tribe, our nation like had power as men. I feel like it does, it is going to get fetishized. Yeah. Like, by, by the boys in this generation who don't have that power, you know? Yeah. So they I, do, I, this I do see that a lot and think too. that's happening. Yeah. They do it with Islam too. They're like, they like take a western a picture of like half naked western girls and then like burkas and be like which one of these civilizations is stronger like this <laughs> one's gonna survive and it's like they have massive problems also why are you glorifying honor killings like and vicious rape and like it's all just like cope really <laughs> yeah. i think your take on that's right though it's just like glorifying the last time period that yeah they they'll glorify like yeah the, the previous time period 
or Islam, or Islam. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and like Islam. Is, Islam's cool though, because Andrew Tate's Islam, right? So yeah. Cool, I guess. Now it's cool. <laughs> Even though he's still like drinking alcohol and playing. Yeah. And, like, okay. Yeah, he won't take any of the inconvenient parts of Islam. Just the harem part. Yeah. It's yeah. fine. Well, I knew he wasn't going to become a Christian because I don't see him repenting. Yeah, exactly. In his journey, That's what we've you know? been saying. A man like yes. that is it's very hard for a man like that to be humble and to yes. I mean it's the rich right. young ruler. It's the parable of the rich young ruler. You know, I've done everything. I've been so good. I've been so successful. Like look at all my good works. And Jesus is mm-hmm. like, Can you just let all that go and follow me? And yeah. he turns and walks away, sad. And nameless. Yeah. You don't even know his name. He's just the rich young ruler guy. <laughs> uh, Probably could have yeah. like written a book of the Bible, you know, if he would have just let go. But those yeah. people that are real, like, earth-obsessed with, like, earthly masculinity and, like, physical yes. possessions and materialism. Yes. And I'm, like, you're competing. You're like, I'm the alpha male. I'm number one. Those people are almost always spiritually distant from God. <laughs> and they're yeah. living, they've idolized themselves and they've idolized their own life. And I don't really know where I was fully going with this whole point. But <laughs> no, <laughs> I just right. someone like that, like I'm thinking of a guy like Andrew Tate in that scenario that's just popular. But those guys <laughs> tend to not ever become Christians because Christians need to A, let go of this world and like B, let go of themselves, like humble themselves, like cut their yes. ego down, you know, bow yes. before your God, be a loyal servant to your God. Um, and it's hard to do that when you make yourself a God <laughs> and you call yourself right. the top G, the top God, you know. yeah and that's what we were we had some christian friends who were defending him before he became a muslim and we were like he he has not repented at all for um exploiting women for for making his money off of having yeah for making his money off webcam business and like it was just weird i was like you are he is a pimp like this is a Okay, he's not your dad. Like, I, I, my friend's been talking a lot about like internet daddies that well, people are. Uh, oh, like, it's sad. Like, guys are so like lost and hurting for like guidance that they have all these like internet fathers, oh. and um, whether it's like you know even like Jordan Peterson, Andrew Tate, Elon Musk, even Kanye West, and like, <laughs> um, that's a weird phenomenon to see. It's interesting. Yeah, so. I mean, it's like good because if if men aren't getting fatherliness from the real world then it's good that there is some out there like jordan peterson um but uh it but andrew tate this, is not a good example but like, like andrew tate is filling <laughs> i get i don't know but like i just feel like any any guy that's like seeking fame like that and is always online and always like addressing his criticisms and always making videos and stuff like that like it's like is is that guy actually like an asset to his community like yeah. I don't know. There's something sinister about like seeking a lot of internet fame. Yeah, it, it just rubs me the wrong way. So it's like, yeah. What would we know? Andrew Tate is not a good. <laughs> yeah. That's but a lot of people well, don't. Okay, I thought I thought that's like easy to see, but apparently it's not because like, <laughs> like I thought it was easy to see that Liver King was on steroids, but apparently that was. Like, <laughs> it was like, yeah, some things are just obvious and you look around and you're like am i the only am i crazy that i see yeah. I'm, the only one <laughs> I'm the crazy one now you said amy said that like two years ago like the liver king yeah, he's not steroids. nobody believes me <laughs> <laughs> it's so obvious 
I don't really know who he is. I just know he's like a big. My dude. friend was like, "Look at this guy. This is what's possible." I was like, "He's on drugs." And he's like, <laughs> yeah, this is what's possible with modern pharma pharmacia. And uh... yeah. yeah, sure, it is possible. We'll give him that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I had that a lot with like uh, the COVID lockdowns and everyone doing the masks and freaking out. Yeah. And I was just like vibing. <laughs> like I was just like, okay, like whatever. It's just a, it's just a flu. You know, no That's big deal. No fear, no panic. Just kind of keep like, oh, okay, like you're scared. I'll just stay away from you. Yeah. And I just zero mask. I had never wore a mask. So I'd go up to stores and most people would kind of be awkward. You know, there's various, some people would just straight up be like, no, you can't come in without a mask. I just turn back, like, okay, have a good day and like walk away. It'd blow their mind that I wasn't like fighting with them. Yes. Confrontational, you know, but just like being smiley, being happy, trying to act normal, no fear. But then like being in situations like you're in a grocery store and everyone is just insane. Yeah. And you're like, like being normal, just like going to a grocery store and living normally, you are now the insane person. Because yeah. you're not acting insane. Yeah. I remember being <laughs> there were so the only many moments like that. Like I feel like a lot of people did that, but you know, you're at your job or something, you're the only one that doesn't get the, the jab or whatever, you know. So there's a lot I of remember... things where I feel like people are just like, uh really? <laughs> Looking at clown world going like, Am I the clown? I don't understand how this is happening, you know. Yeah. I remember being the only person without a mask in a grocery store like multiple times. And just, and, but my thing is I was like, I'm not buying into this. And, and yet like, I'm very concerned that this will never end and like get worse. Like I remain a little shocked that people let that go. Um, I thought we were going to live in a medical communist dystopia <laughs> forever. I was like, this is not. And the reason that I would resist is because I didn't want it to last forever. And I was like, it was because like it went on so long that I was like, if I don't not part, I need to not participate so that we can stop this sometime, hopefully. And no one seemed to want to stop it for like a really long time. And it was all just conditional upon what the media was saying, you know? Yeah. Um, where were you living, Sean? I was in what? Nashville. Okay. So if you were like in the city, it was pretty like crazy. Like, I'm sure, like, just every big city was. But, like, yeah. outside, like, the small towns, people didn't care, you know? That's where we were. And if we it was, moved. like, a corporation, like, you know, you worked at... The one that was real funny was Applebee's. was really insane about it. And Applebee's? <laughs> Applebee's, man. There's, like, a few... I have a list of companies where I'm, like, okay, just try not to, like, shop there if you don't, you know? Like, don't give them your money because I, yeah, I remember what they did to you and you didn't have a mask on, you know? But uh, Applebee's was one of them. They were really crazy about it when people were like, eh, whatever. Tennessee, Tennessee's a little less overall. Nashville's a little less. But I feel like just corporations in general just had like a top-down policy. So it didn't matter if you were in small-town Tennessee where no one cared. You go to Panera. It's yeah. Panera yes. rules. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Know? And so like complaining. There's places you can avoid it, but there was also just like, even in like little towns where 0% of people are doing it, like you're going to have to do it at the Applebee's. And people just like shrugged their shoulders and kind of did it. But I was like one of the few who just like did not. <laughs> it's like, well, I'll take my, I'll take actually, my loss of privileges. <laughs> that's actually one of the things that was disturbing me is that it was making me think about globalization because I was like, oh, if I complain to a manager 
at this mega corporation about how I don't like this policy where they're like telling me to cover my face to be here. It doesn't go up the chain. Like I'm not actually, act yeah. if I'm saying that to a small business owner or like a local, then maybe the feedback hits or something. Yeah. If you're like nice about it and whatever. Um, but if you say it to, yeah, like an Applebee's manager, like they don't actually have any power. So I was like, I, it's like, I was like really seeing how we're like ruled by these like faceless corporations. mega corporations that can just in, invoke medical communism whenever they want. <laughs> I have, and, and there's no, you know what I mean? Like I was super localism pilled during that time. I was just like, ah. <laughs> yeah. So Wait, but can we talk about how Walmart, okay. This is what I heard, but I shopped at Walmart because the only other place to shop here was Giant Eagle and they were insane and awful. They had people at the door, like, like, I mean, like you need to wear a mask before yeah. you walk in the door, right? Walmart didn't really have that. They have greeters, but they've always had that. Also, but Giant Eagle isn't national. Oh, Giant Eagle's not no. national. I hate them. Anyway, um, <laughs> but Walmart, like, Shots fired. So yeah. <laughs> so, but Walmart, I guess people in like, at the rural Walmarts were getting into like physical fights over the masks. So like like in like West Virginia and like, like really rural like free places like that. So Walmart was just like we're not enforcing the mask thing because like yeah people are getting hurt at some of our locations. So I, I shopped at Walmart and didn't have to wear a mask. Yeah, yeah like they serve anything. Uh, conser more conservative clientele. <laughs> right. Yeah. They. So it's just like no. Based Walmart. Those based Appalachians. Walmart was one of the ones on the list. They they they, they three different places told me kindly, you know, I can't can't come in here. Wait, so Walmart Wait, enforced really? it for you? Yeah, they weren't in Tennessee. Maybe they were only original. They did it for a little bit and then maybe what you're talking about happened and I feel like maybe a month or two later they kind of rolled back. Yeah. To where they like put a sign up that says you have to wear a mask but no one's actually like doing anything about it. Mine right. is always Publix. We have this store, grocery store chain in the South called Publix. People like their sandwiches, they're okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I will I always have a place in my heart for Publix because not one time did Publix ever tell me to put a mask on. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't make me, they didn't ask me, they left me alone. I was the yeah. only person in that grocery store for like six months. Only person smiling. No one said anything to me, so. Walmart left else. me alone yeah. in rural Western Pennsylvania. But uh, yeah, John Eagle didn't leave me alone. And uh, Whole Foods Whole really, Foods really, really didn't doesn't leave, leave you alone. alone. They were full of Karens. They were like, excuse me, miss. And yeah. I, I wore the dumb mask and like had it just under my nose so I could breathe. And th that was the problem. Yeah. And she went and like, <laughs> and she went and like got her like, her like gay manager and he came up to me and I was like, I, and his energy was so like flighty and like afraid of me. I was like, yeah. I was like, I could beat you up. I'm five foot three. This is sad. This is the times we live in. Like, I feel, I feel stronger than you. That's like, the man with power. Yeah. The times. That was horrible, though. We'll never get apologies either. Oh, yeah. No, don't hold your no breath. No apologies. Yeah, no. Never for anything. Never. No. They just move on and they'll find a way to still call us crazy. <laughs> I'm old enough to remember. Yeah, I'm, I'm old enough to remember a more like culturally Christian time period where people actually apologize to one another, and that just like over the years has been like, what's repentance? Yeah. Like, <laughs> just the moral decay. But yeah, now when people apologize publicly for anything, it's like something stupid that they shouldn't be apologizing for. You know? Oh, uh, good point. Yeah, like it's not. It's, it's like the fakest faint. 
insane apology. Yeah. Like our moral framework's all off, so uh, well, it's kind of like how we were talking about how, like in media, things have become more censored but less censored. Like you can, like basically put like softcore porn in movies, and that's fine. But then like 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 other like jokes are censored all the time. Like oh yeah, we watched we so okay, so we were watching the Aristocats <laughs> recently, and there's a warning label on it now. Because one of the cats is depicted as Asian and he has chopsticks and he's playing the piano. <laughs> and so it's That's like, awesome. yeah, I know. And it's I'm going like, to watch that movie now just for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Like I'm Italian and I don't care when Italian stereotypes are depicted at all. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like and we're you, always stereotyped. It's yeah. always like you're when those hand gestures are, are, you know, when those, when those closed fingers start to shake, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I and Gabagool like Gabagool and the meatball. Yeah, the big nose. And pizza, whatever. And I don't care. And it's like if if, uh, if people were just like less sensitive, then it'd be fine. But yeah, so like now you have to apologize for that, right? Yeah. But not for like forcibly injecting people with things or whatever. <laughs> well, where we're from, like everyone, just, it was like really diverse but it was like white people diverse but that's still diverse it was like irish italian <laughs> yeah. like yeah polish people russian people like greeks whatever so like everyone it was just like normal to kind of like not be sensitive about race and like pick on people and stuff and there was like some real discrimination but like for the most part it was just like when we were growing up it was like healthy joking yeah it was like I don't yeah. know people called us dago and stuff like <laughs> which is an offensive <laughs> word for uh, but then you just like call them a potato eater because they were yeah, Irish. I mean, yeah, you just you launch something back at them. Yeah, and then yeah. it was like yeah. funny or something. <laughs> um, and then it, it breaks the tension, right? But now there's so much tension in society because we yeah. can't joke or talk about differences or we're sensitive to differences or whatever. So it's just like you, you, you want to be able to joke or whatever to break the surface tension. And then I think people are more comfortable yeah. that way when you can't joke and you can't acknowledge differences and you can't talk about race at all unless you're like saying the perfect thing that it's just like very uncomfortable for everybody i think you know yeah, well it needs uh, that release yeah you know yeah I mean, it's like growing up i had really bad acne and i was just one of those kids like my whole life was just uh like every day you're going to school just like i hope i don't get made fun of i hope yeah. you know your whole life is just revolves around this insecurity and then yeah. like all it took was like in college for like one of my friends to just roast me about it yeah in like a funny loving way yeah not hate not bullying like funny love and then it just released like you know 10 years of insecurity and resentment and hatreds building up inside me you know and it's like yeah we all need that little release because like, your friend is basically being like it's not a big deal right, like that's yeah. what the communication actually underlying the like joking is same with like the race jokes we made it yeah was like, we it all was got not, problems we all got stereotypes we all yeah. got we are all, all our own little groups do like funny things to other groups you know like right, chopsticks yeah. like chopsticks is funny to everyone yeah. that's not an asian because it's like those are those are weird like, what is that? i don't use that that's weird yeah <laughs> yeah like, like you go to asia and they're like oh you're using a fork that's weird you stupid whiteies <laughs> having to use forks for your foot you know and it's like yeah i don't is either one correct <laughs> are they right? both correct it's like it's just funny that think that like there's differences then you can like yeah. not hate each other by <laughs> mocking it all serious and, yeah pointing it out or, or, you know 
Or walking on eggshells with everyone, it's like so boring. Well, like the, the energy of like, haha, haha, ha, chopsticks, haha, this, that is just better than like, don't say anything bad about my thing and like, don't, yeah. right? Like, yeah. it's like, like that. <laughs> like, at, at my workplace, they like were talking about how, where are you from is a very mean question. I was like, this is out of control. Like, <laughs> it is a nice thing to ask somebody where they're from. That is an innocent question. It's human. Like, it all ends up being, like, yeah, like dehumanizing, right? It's all like, are people like not from somewhere? Like, how is that offensive? Yeah, <laughs> I don't have a place I'm from. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm from anywhere. But that—that's back to maybe some people who moved a lot, sure. But like most people yeah. are from somewhere, and they would like to talk about it. Like, yeah. maybe they like where they're from. Maybe they want to tell you about it. Yeah, I do. Never yeah. know. Apple employee, <laughs> dystopian <laughs> tech company employee. You'll never know. Number three hundred and seventy. Yeah, we've successfully turned you into a barcode number. Uh, don't yeah. ask anything about someone's life. <laughs> That's what it feels like. The goal is sometimes I'm like, oh, everything is just like stupid, like just stuck in it. Our humanity, yeah, you like, can't be unique. You have to be. That's actually the original term of racist. Was a civil war, like a U.S. general. I don't know if he was civil war or not, but in that like middle 1800s era, was calling the Native Americans, like the Indian tribes, racists. Because they were refusing to just become American. Oh. So it was like, you're a racist. You like your race more than you like your, like, culture, your civilization. Oh. And so the term was like, you're, stop being a racist. It's not about your race. It's about the collective. Like, just join the hive. <laughs> yeah. join, join the colony, slave bee, you know? Oh, Don't think and ask any questions. Just be a, a mindless worker without an identity, just a barcode, you know? Interesting. And so it's just it's like we just, everyone does that pretty much throughout history. Like, and then yeah. eventually it reaches a point the empire collapses, something new comes in, you know? But like we're in that collapsing stage of the empire right now where everyone yes. just becomes like nothing. And I've seen you talk about on your Twitter, like the lack of beauty in architecture. And that's like a sign of it. Like you look at stuff now, it's just like boxes and solid colors. Yes. And it's so ugly and soulless. And that's like a representation of like where we've come in our Western civilization over the like hundreds of years is like these beautiful, giant, intricate, stone carved works of art that take someone's entire life to build and produce and leave behind for every generation to see and Matt, you know, witness its glory and now it's like eh, this building came out under budget we put a bunch of glass in there because it looked cool i think uh, <laughs> yeah it's, like so it's soulless like... now you know that's that's kind of like what they're doing is they want you to just be like a mindless thinker they want you to it's just like... not question authority not check or challenge anything not think for yourself think outside the box you know and it's flattening right the buildings have been flattened yeah. right so there's no dimensionality, there's no texture, there's no difference, there's no hierarchy. And now, and it's the same, like Soviet not, architecture. Not beyond even hierarchy. It's like, there's no texture and uh, uh, difference. You need like difference to create dim dimension and like relief, right? And yeah. And so- Nothing is, everything has to be equal and not offend the same anybody. And don't offend. And like, <laughs> but then meanwhile, people like travel to Europe for tourism because they absolutely love the things yeah. we used to build because they were different and like conveyed a sense of place and it all that all ties into not having a sense of place right like 
like um, when the architecture, the modern architecture looks like it could be anywhere, right? It's not distinct in, like if you go to Santa, there's no character. If you go to Santa Fe, it's all Adobe style because that reflects both the time period of like what they were building with their technology and the landscape, the ge geographical environment, right? It's clay and um, it reflects that place. It's the character of the place, the soul of right. the place. It's reflected in the architecture. But um, Phoenix, Arizona is similar. It's like Adobe style and that really like fits the desert, right? Like it comes from the desert, it fits the desert vibe. But now they're building like modern glass skyscrapers in Phoenix. You're not allowed to in Santa Fe, thank goodness. Um, and it doesn't fit and it looks out of time and out of place. And it's like just making it look like everywhere else. And there are so many places in this country where I could be, I don't even know where, you plot me down somewhere in like uh, suburban Ohio, or you plot me down in suburban, I don't know, like Illinois, and it like looks the same. I don't know where I am. And one of the reasons we loved San Francisco so much is because it's such a distinct place. It's like, you know, you're in San Francisco because of the Victorians, the architecture there, the geography and the architecture like come together to create a very distinct sense of place. And um, I think that is something that made me stay there for a really long time because it just felt very like special. Longer than we would have stayed. Yeah. <laughs> um, because the rest of America was like unappealing because it's like been built for the car, right? Or these ugly boxes that are like just hurt your soul to look at. Um, so yeah, it's, it's connected to everything else, the architecture. You see the decline of Western civilization in the architecture 100%. A lot of these cities in America look unfinished. Like there's a town kind of near us, a couple towns where the downtown core is the old architecture, the like beautiful buildings. They have turrets and and um, reliefs and um, Corinthian columns and all these things. And then as it expanded, like as the, as time went on and like the city expanded, it's like ugliness. And it's almost like, it feels like we didn't finish something we started. Yeah. Are just coming out in every direction. Yeah. Like we, yeah. Then it got a growth. Like, <laughs> yeah. But people like forgot who they are. Like, wh what does it mean to you know? It's what are we all doing? it is? And you're seeing this more with people. They're like more soulless and less a character and more like a collection of memes or just like the stuff they're reading online, right? Like, it's it's sucking like if a building has like a character and a presence and it's almost like a little person right if it, ha it has like a personality and um if the buildings are getting flattened and people are getting flattened like i think the more time they spend online and like the less like hard things they have to do like the less character they have mm. Mm. Um, oh yeah that's what you're saying yeah you see i'm saying Sean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm going to do a stream in a little bit about uh the mouse utopia experiment and cities oh and how wait, we shouldn't oh. be living in cities and how cities are, are man's attempt to run away from god oh i have, <laughs> I have yeah. thoughts on cities too man can you share it here crazy. yeah sorry can you share it here or are you gonna save that for um, another stream yeah i mean I'll, I'll do like i'm doing a full stream on it with like well thought out but like just in general like you go through the bible and every city is founded by someone bad oh <laughs> and usually like the old cities are like always up to no good and the people who are blessed and called are usually like shepherds and people who are just like out in the field oh. people who just like do their trades and like live 
a more nomadic like country life and people who usually like end up in more trouble and hardships and living unrighteous lives are the ones coming from cities it's very interesting and you're just like, whole cities like like Babel like Babel was founded upon like rebellion against God you know <laughs> and God had to like physically come and destroy like Sodom and Gomorrah like there's all these like examples throughout where like cities just breed idolatry and it's because it's because of a lot of different reasons but just in general like if you think about cities people start to depend on each other and themselves and wow. things get really easy and comfortable and oh. resources are abundant and so it makes you like lazy it makes you want shortcuts it makes you more like into pleasure if you don't have to like fight for your survival it makes like people weak and stupid because they're not like actively keeping their minds sharp or their bodies in shape um and the whole thing i'm going to wrap it around is this mouse utopia experiment where people set up a couple experiments with mice and rats and tested that and you see right away like these generations of mice when you put them like in an enclosure like a simulated city you start to see very quickly the rats become like lazy overly violent they become like gay and cannibalistic like it literally makes them go crazy wow. and it's kind of weird because we're not rats <laughs> i feel like that's kind of a lot of like oh look what these rats did that means humans exactly like act exactly the same way but i think it's just in general you could almost insert any living being here yeah. and in that scenario of like if you're just provided with too much too much unnatural things in your life like distractions services pleasures comforts ease you know like if if your life becomes too easy it becomes focused on you and when people live a more like difficult life full of struggle they have to rely on someone besides themselves they have to rely on a greater power than themselves and that's almost always god or some version of that you know so it's yeah. usually like the people outside of a city tend to be more look up at God <laughs> because they need to. And people in cities usually look down at themselves or in at themselves, you know. That's so true. Wow. So we, I have like an hour and a half long uh, explanation, but that's like my summary of it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I would, lo I would love to listen to that. We, um, we've lived in both like major metro areas and teeny tiny small towns. Um, and uh, have totally seen that. And even like something that strikes me about the small town we live in right now is like, there's more, it's like if you want something to happen, you have to like make it happen and like participate. And like, like if you want culture or you want like, I don't know, like a good brewery or like whatever it is, you have to like make it, right? You can't just like rely on it being provided to you. Yeah. So there's almost like more room for creative, spirit yeah. and there's more impact when you do create something because there's less people and less people creating and, things and people really appreciate it and then people appreciate it more and like it's just easy to take things like hard work for granted in the city because it's like oh there's like 10 breweries or whatever it is um but, someone will do it yes yeah, someone will do it i don't have to do anything <laughs> and i found that to be yeah, and then there, there's something. Well, one thing I did know, like you're talking about uh, in the country, there's people looking to God more. You can physically see, like, if you go from a city to the country, in the cities, there's a lot of like Buddhist imagery, which is a religion of like just you, kind of. I don't want to knock Buddhism too hard. I like some things about Buddhism, but it is kind of like a lonely 
philosophy in a lot of ways. Um, and then if you go out into the country, you see way more like Christian imagery. And I always thought that was interesting because Buddhism teaches like detachment. Like it's, it's actually like detached from your neighbor more than like love thy neighbor, which is <laughs> Christian. Yeah. So yeah, you can see why in a city you want to detach from your neighbor because you don't know anybody. And like maybe your neighbor is a homeless guy who's like crapping on the sidewalk and you don't want to get involved. <laughs> like if you were in an actual community, you would need to care about that. Like you would need to be like, what's you would need to get involved, right? It would be yeah. That's so. another thing I'm going to talk about is like your values naturally shift. Yes. And that's like the two things I can kind of bring up are um, like abortion and guns. And so like if you're in a country, like in the country, more country, more more rural, I always have problems with that word, rural <laughs> setting, like small town setting, you're going to be like, oh, children are a gift from God. We love children. We need a bunch of children. Like, we, practically we need people to help on the farms <laughs> but also this is a blessing like this is great more i have yeah. a bigger family now you know it's seen as a good thing same with like owning guns because you're like oh there's like threats out here like there's coyotes that can eat my children's food if i don't yes. hunt, you know fight off these coyotes or there might be an intruder or something it might be like a, a bull that's raging like there's situations where a gun is like you would be an idiot and almost a threat to your environment if you didn't have a gun. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but then yes. flip that, those scenarios around to like someone that's living in like the heart of New York City. It's like an abortion would be like practical. You would be like, yeah. why would I have a baby? We, we already have too many. Why this yep. baby's just going to take up like the resources. It's yep. going to take away like my time and energy. Like this baby is a loss to me and to my my community we should get rid of it wow. you know, same thing with a gun it's like there's so many people around me like i wouldn't want there to be no guns i just feel so i feel yep. so threatened by all these people around me in this this tight enclosed place that could wow. potentially be angry and have a gun you know yep. so like your values are naturally gonna twist based on your environment like Absolutely. if you have a bunch of people packed in tight like one issue you know, like and I, the example I'm going to use is like in Chicago, you know, people are very like anti-gun, but you go 50 miles outside of Chicago to the cornfields of Illinois and yeah. people are like, you would be stupid not to have a gun. Like we have coyotes yeah. out here, <laughs> right? you know, and it's like those values change, like not because of like the race of the people or the, the nation, you know, it's like the values change because one, one group of people is born without and one group of people is born in like an, an absurd amount of abundance and it naturally changes like their worldviews it naturally changes their values like their morality wow yeah i think that's right um as soon as i became like started to become more well one thing i was never liberal on was guns because like i grew up with my dad and my neighbor having a gun it made me feel safe when i was a little girl because we lived out here um so that was <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, my dad is good and he needs his gun. But um, like all, all, everything else I was pretty liberal on. And then when I started to like shift and become like I get more conservative, I felt like I need to get out of the city. And I never really like, I don't know, c connected why. And sometimes I still struggle with them. I'm like, am I being like silly about cities? But then I go to them and I'm like, <laughs> well, there's also, there's also the... Of the reality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's also the anonymity in a city. Yeah. that you don't have in a small town, which is why I think people in cities are more okay with immigration. Because if 
you have two people living next to each other with totally different cultures and moral value systems, they can kind of ignore each other or like not integrate or like whatever. There's like, there's so many people there that like, that it doesn't matter. But like in a small town, you need the same moral code as your neighbor for everything to like operate smoothly because there's less people. And if we're all operating by a different set of like values or like social mores, then there's way more societal friction. So and scarcity probably. And, yeah. You're not working together as easily to get the scarce resources that you need to the small place. Yeah, there's less housing, there's less, you know, yeah. what jobs. So like if you live in a rural area, you're not gonna be super open to like open borders, right? Um, because you wanna be around people that share your ideas and values and aren't you don't wanna open the floodgates to be competing for resources with people. Um, so I think I see what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. I've tried to think about why people are in the cities are so liberal about immigration. That's like the best I can come up with. But um, I think that's like part of it. Um, but yeah, you're right. Your environment totally shapes your moral framework, right? And I think people, I don't know, it's like chicken and egg too. I think people want to live where people share their moral framework. Um, mm-hmm. It's true. When we became more conservative, we left San Francisco, right? Yeah, it was no. <laughs> the environment was like we were like this. Don't work. This liberal utopia is kind of a dystopia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like there's something it's, to be said about like bloom where you're planted. Yeah, like the same thing. So I woke up in San Diego and I was like, I gotta get out of here. You know, I yeah. Can't. Everything in my being was like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, you don't belong here anymore. Yeah, but there's yeah. that little inkling where it's like bloom where you're planted, though. Yeah, you know, I mean, Daniel in the Bible didn't have a choice. He didn't get a, a choice to just get up and leave and be like, ah, these Babylonians are mean. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go some like a cool, cool city where I can go have fun. Yeah, you know, like he he took the most of his uh, like what he was given and bloomed where he was planted. Right, and, like became a legend. You know, dude crushed. Like, <laughs> dude did such a good job. You know, but it's like. But also, like that is we, that isn't our reality. Like we're not conquered by Babylon, and we do have the freedom to move. And like, yeah, God is gonna want us to like use our gifts and our abilities, and our lives and our testimonies in other places with the other people as well. So I think there's a lot of good arguments for that. Like going somewhere you more belong, or standing strong in the fire, <laughs> in the furnace. You know, like standing strong and uh, I, fighting back. Yeah. And I think everyone I just is called to different things some people are called to live a better life somewhere else some people are called to be that martyr you know yeah like saint saint i'm gonna say her name wrong xenia she's a, a russian saint she lived in the city she like re- like gave up all of her possessions after her husband died and like devoted herself to christ and like wandered the streets like performing miracles in the streets of moscow i think so she stayed in the city but um then there's plenty of saints and monks who like we're on an, in a cave somewhere like, by themselves. So it's actually yeah. hard the, to. Are you talking about the desert de- fathers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I, love, I, I love it. Love the desert fathers. And I've, I did a whole stream on them. And I've talked about this a few times since is you read the desert fathers and you're like, dude, these guys are so based. These guys get it. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, like ins- you're so inspired. It's like quit your job and just meditate for like 23 hours a day. Like, <laughs> Let's do it. These guys are awesome. But part of it too is like, but like also you're as a Christian, like you are called to be on mission and like great, like your, your soul is saved, 
but also like you now need to go out into the darkness and save souls as well. You need to love and serve others as well. You can't just run and hide in a cave all day. So like it's great that you're being very good. <laughs> good job. Like that's not even like a facetious thing. Like good job. But yeah. as a Christian, you need to be on mission going out there. Um, and like right. that, like I, like the reason I even brought all this up is because like I, at times feel like I should have stayed in California. You know, yeah, I do almost feel like ashamed. Like, did I run away from something? Did I tuck tail and do like an easy route of going to Tennessee where it's more Christian and easier to live? Yeah. Or was yeah. I supposed to stay in San Diego? And I wrestle with it, but I think like God did uniquely call me here for other reasons. But part of me, like my flesh is like that prideful, like, but I could have done so much good out there. I could have yeah. been a light in the darkness, you know? And like, I'm sure a lot of people are called to do that. And a lot of people are called to like do other things as well, you know? But just in general, like the overall premise is I do think like if God's calling you to bloom where you're planted, do it right. <laughs> and, and face the flames and it's not going to be fun and easy, but man, is your eternity going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah, we've struggled with that same question of like where to be. I'll say, I think I should have left San Francisco. I, I think, yeah, I, that feels like it was the right <laughs> Although I, I have a heartache over it because I did love it there too, you know, but because of the beauty, um, because of the beauty, but we're, I don't, I don't question leaving San Francisco, but I sometimes question if I'm like too rural where I am now, if I should be around more people. Um, that we're, we're I really question. Quite in a, in a very bigger. rural. <laughs> and, but the thing is, is like, even like the, well, I think there's a misconception that like all aesthetics are permits. But like I've learned in the last year that like a lot of monks and nuns, like I thought they just like retreated and were just like, you know, like you said, like saving their own soul, but like not going out in the world to make disciples or whatever. Um, but actually they have a lot of contact with the world. Like people, um, come, to see people them. come to see them. A lot of them do like confessions. Um, like a lot of people, not come the to see nuns, them. but like, a lot of the people come to them for spiritual guidance. Some people, I, we recently went to a monastery where it was actually people's local parish, so that was where people worshipped every Sunday. Um, and uh, they're doing a lot of some of them, like you know, make and sell things. Like in the Orthodox faith, they make and sell icons or candles or like whatever it is. They, they farm and sell they farm, they sell eggs, like whatever. Um, so the hermit, the, the hermit life, I think very few people are actually doing, I think very few people are actually called to be like a hermit or even an ascetic, but, yeah. um, but I do struggle with like, how much do I stay where it's safe and there's not that many temptations and how, how much do I go out and like, I don't know, be a light or whatever, but I don't want to be prideful and be like, I have such an influence on people. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to save the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The word. People use that. I think people use, or do use, I mean, they use anything for their ego, but you can use Christianity for your own ego. I see it all the time. Like, sure. It's something to get clout and it's, um, that's sad. But then yeah. it's not properly understood. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah, the whole, the whole, baseline is humility like what is what man what does humility mean in the the smartphone era you know it's like well you need it more than ever i think um with the what, iphones 
Yeah, like when you have so much access. The me phone. Yeah. <laughs> the me phone, yes. You're, you're self-staring back at you constantly. Like, there was a time... I wonder what it was like before the mirror was invented. Uh, when was the mirror invented? I don't know. I was think I remember reading a book as a little girl, and this this little girl in the book would look at her reflection in water because they didn't have mirrors and she didn't know what she looked like. Hmm. Just like thinking of that compared to this thing. <laughs> I remember having a really bad feeling when everybody started getting smartphones. We were the last of our friends to get them, largely I, I, due I to monetary financial reasons. I don't see like an annoying like luddite. Is that the word? Like like I. I think there's like no going back, like you have to work with technology, like I make my money on it, you know, like, but I'm really concerned with it all the time now and I don't like how it alters my brain in a lot of a lot of the time, like how it looks back at you and like what you consume, like creates you back is a scary thing um, sometimes. And then you have an AI revolution coming and- Oh, that'll be fun. <laughs> the Elon Musk brain chip that's coming. Yeah, yeah. Daddy I was Musk. always like that, like, there's always like weird, it's like some things that are rolled out that I get real scared of. Mm -hmm. And then I have to like pause and be like, but I have like a phone in my pocket and like I use a laptop and like, <laughs> I, like yeah. my, I use a car. Like you have to stop and be like, but I already use so much technology that like other people freaked out about when it came out, I'm sure. Yeah. But um, one of them was like Bluetooth wireless headphones. So those yeah. came out, and I was like, those are satanic. Those are evil. They're going to give everyone cancer. Like, I was just by, I was like, there's no way those work well. Like, that's going to be. And so I like, just stubbornly for, like, four or five years was like, I will always wear a cord. <laughs> I will, my headphones will always have a cord. I will never have a cell phone newer than whatever generation it was where they got rid of the cell phone headphone jack, you know? Yeah. And then, of course, like, I used them one time, and I'm like, oh, these are dope cool <laughs> and now like everything like i think literally this one i'm wearing right now is the only thing i have with a cord i have like four <laughs> or five different pairs of like gym headphones and work headphones and casual and they're all like just bluetooth you know yeah <laughs> yep. and then it's like 5g comes and everyone's like oh no 5g is gonna melt everyone's skin off and then it's like yeah. okay like nothing happened and like in two nothing years, happened like, okay 6g's coming out Oh well, six, six, yeah. six, six. Mark of the beast. <laughs> mark of the, six G. Doesn't a G look like a six? That's a double six right there. You know, it's gonna melt everyone's skin off. And it's like, I feel like every round of technology, people do kind of just get scared, and then like, that's true. Ah, whatever. That was cool, actually. And, I wonder. Five G made everything faster and doper. Cool. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I wonder if we'll feel that way about Neuralink, though. I, that. I say that too, and then also I'm like, at the same time, all technology is evil. We need to go back to live like the Amish at the same time. Like, it's so inside <laughs> us, there are two. As people. I'm like talking into my microphone and my computer and doing this podcast, I'm like, destroy technology, destroy the industrial revolution and its consequences. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's an it's an annoying paradox. It's a paradox. It's yeah, so annoying. Yeah, it's like I don't want to deal with this. Whatever, but I'm. It's a paradox. I think it's just about boundaries. Like, if I'm being serious, like, you just have to have, like, good boundaries with it all. Yeah. And one boundary being your skin. Don't let it in your body. 
Yeah, that seems like a good don't boundary. Don't let it like in your. But Elon Musk, he'll be like, you already are like, like really this is part of your body. But he's like, we're all already cyborgs. But it's not literally like I can put it in the other room. He's developing things that I can't put in the other room. Like that's yeah. freaky. <laughs> you know? People will probably do it. Honestly, I, think I don't know. But there was like stupid stuff like Google Glass. Do you remember that? The glasses that were like yeah. a um uh, augmented reality. I thought those were gonna catch on. And I thought they were weird, and they didn't even catch on. On, you know they were too ugly like you know where you like are wearing your glasses and walking through the streets and like advertisements are like popping out on you that like aren't even there <laughs> part of your glasses i but think those even... are still coming you think oh, i, hope I not. do think they are still coming why would uh, someone not have a hands-free cell phone that's the next step like and that's what i think they want to put in your brain because it's like i hate it the next step is like you used to have to like stand on next to a wall holding a phone and calling someone mm. and so they made oh. it cordless and so it's like oh more freedom yeah <laughs> the next step is always this illusion of like more freedom freedom you don't have to even use a hand anymore you can have two hands free to do all your other multitasking things you know like the next it's always like this illusion of like you now have more freedom yes, yes. and it's, it's like, always a paradox. But is that a good thing well, yeah. then it ends up enslaving you. Like, yeah, you're enslaved in other ways. Yeah, like, a lot of the yeah. things. This, this is what I talk about all the time with the sexual revolution. It's like, but you have more freedom. The birth control pill. Now you have more freedom. Oh, but now we're like enslaved to like hedonistic yeah. desires and Tinder and short-term meaningless relationships. You know, it's like a different type of slavery. Yay. All under the yeah. banner. <laughs> yeah. It's slavery with rainbows and confetti on it. You know, it's like a, yeah. a well-painted and decorated <laughs> version That's of slavery. Right. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, I don't know. It's very American to be like freedom, freedom, you know? Yeah, and it's freedom like- Regardless of what it is. Yeah, was, it's like, I think you mentioned it too on one of your episodes that you used to be a libertarian. Yeah, and I was yeah. too because I bought that lie for so long. Yeah, me like, too. oh, freedom! Oh, just yeah. leave us alone. Yeah, but at some point, like <laughs> the question I always had, and it was it was always just brushed off or ignored, and it was like, yeah, freedom, but I kept being like, but is it right? You know, you yeah. start asking moral questions. Like I was a philosophy yeah. major, so like. I have these more like outside the box thoughts where people are making all these like real like legal and financial arguments for libertarianism and freedom and justice and you know like all these like blanket empty terms which yeah like you're making a good political like argument right now but why yeah <laughs> but why? how you start to ask like the actual like like questions that need to be asked on top of that who's mm -hmm. in who set who is dictating this who's the ultimate authority here in this situation you know and there's yeah. never good questions that's like oh whatever i'll shut up i will work it out oh the free market the invisible hand will, will yeah. work, it, work it out somehow magically you know it's like oh, yeah. so you, you mean god <laughs> you mean god and like right. object reality and like his truth you mean that like but it was just um. like that like you start to unravel being a libertarian the more you start asking like is this good yes exactly you start to ignore like the morality that is so necessary for humans interacting with each other that like yeah you might get like a, a small government but it's just going to end in disaster because you don't have people that can like handshake each other and follow through on their oaths and contracts so like your laws now yeah you don't have any laws but you also don't have any common ground 
you now also don't have any cooperation at all. <laughs> you yeah. don't have any trust <laughs> at all between two people, you know? So congratulations, you got your quote unquote freedom, but now everyone's warlords and they're fighting each other. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so what, was your freedom a good thing in the end? So I kind of, it was just... those yeah. things drew me back out of it, yeah. For us, it was a lot of stuff we saw in San Francisco that I saw like the ends of the thinking, like where the thinking that I should be free to do X led, like I should be free to do X thing with freedom as like your highest value, right? Okay. So if you're like free to use drugs, let's say, right? I think we all grew up with some idea that like drugs bad, right? And we, and then a lot of people of our generation were like, threw that off, cast that off. And um, we're like, no, people should be free to do what they want, you know, with their own body, you know, and all that. And then we would like just, we just like got into these scenes in San Francisco where people were like, just clearly doing them too much and their lives are a mess. And like, they had a terrible relationships and uh, no moral structure at all. And they were not productive or whatever it was. But it was libertarian. But it was, they were free. <laughs> and so it was like, just seeing like where, the freedom led and then like and then you have literally drug addicts on the street on the sidewalk shooting up and 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 lunging at young women walking by and being a threat and um defecating on the sidewalk and like it's like okay this is where all of our freedom led it's the same thing you were saying just a different example well it's like we're so, we're so, so we're we're free but no one cares if you like overdose and die like <laughs> Like yeah, I, yeah, if yeah. that's what freedom looks like, where it's like you do you, man, like, and and you're like literally in crisis, and no one cares because you're but that person's free to be in crisis, like they're free to be hurting themselves. Like I don't want to live in a world like that. Like I want to live in a society that cares, like whether or not I'm hurting myself, and like libertarianism just doesn't give you that because it's like, well, like like their their idea of harm is like really black and white. It was always like, well, as long as no one's getting hurt. But people were getting hurt all the time. Like, how do you define hurt? Like, how do you define yeah. hurt? You Wait. have to redefine it. You have to. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I mean, it's they... exposed with like Roe v. Wade, right? Where it's like, well, it's the woman's right. It's the woman's freedom. Freedom, freedom, buzzword, buzzword, freedom, freedom, healthcare, healthcare, you know? Yeah, but yeah. But... The second you start asking that, that next question, it's like, well, what about the rights and the freedom of that baby? Oh, well, uh, fetus. Uh, well, well, but, but, uh, uh, you're a racist. <laughs> you're, you're full of hate. You know, it's like whatever they can do to shut that conversation down because like, like that. Okay, well, this woman's freedom is so important to you, but like, what about this baby's freedom? What about the father who also shares half the DNA of that baby? What about his freedom? You know, no one ever wants to answer no. those questions. <laughs> they don't want to get in the nuance of the arguments, you know, they'll shut that down and change the conversation, but. Yeah. But these same people didn't care about our medical freedom around COVID. Like it's not even, right. it's not even consistent. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So it's, it's like, it, they're still, they are, even people that say they're all about freedom will naturally make these arguments based on whether they think something is good or bad you know like with covid they were okay with getting rid of your freedom because they thought it was good right. to make everyone get vaccinated and mask they thought that was for the good right mm -hmm. um but abortion they must just they think it's good right and yeah. so they want 
The no, it, it's like it's nothing... my, my body, my choice on abortion, but not my body, my choice. It's not your body and not your choice on COVID. Like it doesn't, it just doesn't make any, yeah. <laughs> but I just think it's inescapable that you have to ask whether or not something's good or bad and not just assess things on the level of freedom is, is my point. Like, and people, even people who say they're all about freedom will do that naturally. Um, and um, yeah, once you start asking that question, it just like, and, freedom can't be your highest value. And the libertarians always sought authority figures while like hating authority and, and hierarchy, but they like were obsessed with like Friedrich von Mises and like Friedrich Hayek, <laughs> like all these corny dudes. And like, so I, I don't know. It was, it's just very cringe. It's like a phase every like, a lot of people have to go through, I think, when yeah. they're in their 20s. You have to um, you have to go through your Ron Paul phase. Yes, Ron Paul. Phase. Yeah. <laughs> you go well, you get your Ron Paul phase, and then you go too far. You get you get really into it, and you get wrapped up in like that anarcho capitalist. Yes. You go too far, and then you're like, "Whoa, these guys are crazy! I can't be." So you kind of start going back to libertarianism, and then you're like, "Oh, they're all wrong." Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, this is all stupid. I'm gonna like homestead. And have children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna like. I'm gonna get off the grid and not play in any of these games anymore. Right. It's kind of a natural progression everyone goes through, and that's how you become a, a nationalist radical. Is you yeah. start growing your own food and educating yeah. your own children. You know, yeah. you become a Nazi, racist, radical, bigot, uh, <laughs> fear monger who deserves to be True. canceled and deplatformed everywhere. That's like yeah. a natural cycle everyone goes through. It just takes everyone, you know different amount of time and we're yeah. watching Kanye go through that in about a, a one month <laughs> crash course right now between our eyes usually it takes people years to go through these you know phases of life and Kanye's hitting it all at once <laughs> yeah before 30 million people's eyes all at once in one month you know oh my god people I, I just said to somebody like people are like oh my gosh he's a puppet and like I don't know like don't trust him whatever I'm like you're thinking about this too much that he literally just got red pilled and he can't shut up about it like that's what's yeah, happening he's now. just hyped he's just energy he's just excited he's like yeah. I'm a conspiracy theorist now. Like everyone does that. Yeah, because it's yeah, because it's fun at first to like say all this stuff that like you've never heard before, and it's like forbidden, and, and it's like, and like everyone everyone goes through this phase of, of being like too based. Yeah, where you like say all this like ridiculous like tactless stuff because it's so new to you, and you're like, I don't know, just being mischievous, I guess. Just overdosing on the gravy. Yeah, yeah. That's like, would... You get it like, so you see, a, you see a video that breaks, it just breaks you. You're like, oh, they lied to yeah. me. Oh, yeah. like you, you just are like this one, whatever insert X video here that's like shatters your world. And you're like, yeah, they're, they lied. Yeah. <laughs> they got away, it like blows your mind. So yep. then like, then you must like, you get in this like hype mode of like, what else are they lying about? They yep. must be yes. lying about all this other stuff too. So then you start rabbit holing. You start going video to video to video, and you start yes. believing way too much of it. Because <laughs> you're like, yeah. I found out they lied. That must mean they're lying about everything. And so you go overboard. Everyone goes a little yeah. too extreme. They, they yep. overdose on the gravy, and it's a yep. natural thing. Everyone does it. You got to overdose. You got to withdraw from that a little bit. Yeah. And then everyone goes through like an angry phase. I feel like everyone has their angry phase where like. A, you're angry. You're like, they lied to me. These jerks, they're getting away with it. And half of it, like, is, uh, why doesn't anyone believe me? Why does my friends and family think I'm crazy? I'm not crazy. Look, look, look at the evidence. There's a YouTube video. <laughs> 
And I feel like there's just these natural phases everyone goes through. And like mine were like kind of, you know, short at times and some were really long. And some people, you know, it takes years. And like Kanye West, it take, took one month, you know? One month. And it's just a very extreme slice where people don't know how to handle his reaction. He doesn't know how to handle it. People who've been through it don't even know how to coach him because it's like, dude, I went through this, but it took me 10 years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't a mega superstar yeah. either. <laughs> you're overdosing on the gravy hard. Right? Yeah. You're snorting it. You're not only supposed to be ingesting it, you're snorting it, you know? Yeah. I always say that, the, like, this red pill, like, red pills have side effects. No one ever talks about the side effects of the, the so called drug of the red pill. Like, yeah, it's like, it does have side effects. There are side effects. Like, it's, <laughs> that doesn't heal you. Like, only Jesus can do that. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, well, it was, and then you know, and that's a, to bring it back to what matters is like for me too. Like I was born and raised a non-believer. All my friends and families are non-believers. I encounter Christ. My whole world is radically flipped upside down. My whole life is transformed, and I have that fit, same thing where I'm like, guys, we've all been lied to. Like there's this guy named Jesus, and they made him seem like he's crazy, but he's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> guys, it's a miracle. Oh. Like this is amazing. Let's all start going to church and be friends and and hang out and praise and love Jesus. And all my family and friends are like, go away. <laughs> I don't want to hear this right now. You're crazy. You know, you get hyped up because you're like, I now found the truth. And you're so excited yeah. to like spread that out to everyone. And people don't want to hear that. No. Like, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to see it. They want to keep living in their sin and in their misery. They're too ashamed. Yeah. They're too guilty. They're too angry. They're too far away from God. They're still in rebellion against God, you know? So when you're like, hey, all you have to do is just stop. <laughs> hey, I have some, the, the, you know, the thing everyone wants to hear is, hey, I have some really good advice for you. You know, it's usually when people yeah. like, <laughs> start rejecting you and turning you away, you know? But it was yeah. really good because in Matthew 11 and Matthew 13, like Jesus does explain, like, your family is going to hate you. Your friends yeah. are going to hate you. The people you yep. knew are going to hate you for my sake. Yep. You know, like they're going to hate you like they hated me, you know, and that yep. is reassuring and it, it does, it makes sense. So like when you're struggling in those situations, you're like, oh, I was warned this was going to happen. Oh, this is like, this is happening for a reason. It's not my fault. You know, oh, this is just what's, this is a typical normal reaction from someone in, in and of the world reacting to someone that's no longer there, like a person of the world, you know? Mm -hmm. right. And it's hard to, it's hard to like change and confront i had to change my whole life when i like became christian you know or like i, I had to change a lot of things right um and it was hard and then it's like you have to like admit you're wrong and that's people don't like doing that and like it's painful for a little bit to admit you're wrong once you're over the painful part it's actually quite good but people don't want to get over that hump you know yeah and um and look of, of looking in the mirror and being like isn't right i mean but pe people really are annoyed with you so yeah. like yeah. like yeah we had a similar thing like i think our family's like oh my, my mom's like you guys are gonna be amish next like she just thought we were turned into like religious freaks <laughs> i did a little bit like, i don't know you it's know it's not a bad thing i don't know well compared to the modern person we're like, like yes. hyper hyper i actually remember rouge saying this he was like i go to church every sunday and to the modern person like i'm a, a religious extremist but 50 years ago, that was a normal person. Yeah. So that's just how much like everything has moved and continues to move. Um, so it's kind of sad, but 
yeah you, you do want to like tell everyone and then you're like it kind of hurts when you realize like a lot of people just aren't going to be there with you they don't want to hear it and you're like oh okay i guess i have to talk about like simple stuff like dogs well and you just have to you just the weather you just fine but but people aren't that's like not the way with most people anyway like you just have to show yeah. like one of the re one of the things that got me like asking questions was a friend i had who like her life was like very uh she had a lot of struggles and then she became a christian and like just seeing the transformation made me go huh maybe there's something to that like just being like a living witness right and seeing her life change um due to becoming christian was like really powerful she didn't really she there were things she told me that mattered too but a lot of it was just observing her you know so just like show don't tell yeah show don't tell tell a little but like too much telling i think that puts people off well it's only if they're already asking questions and already have the open mind that the telling comes in right otherwise i think the way is to yeah yeah like you can maybe talk to tell to people who are already curious but if if someone's not very curious then the only thing you can really do is be nice to them and like just live your life and be their friend be their friend yeah be there for them when they are ready yeah if and yeah. when they are ready to humble you ready to answer questions <laughs> that happened to you with a friend of like oh yeah. yeah years later you were getting messages this was cool yeah I, I i had a friend in california and we were in the same horrible place and um like years later i guess she had stayed in touch with me on twitter but she messaged me and was like, hey, you were right about everything. I'm going to a Catholic church now. And I was like, that, that, that. but there was a part in between there where she was asking you questions, right? Um, a little bit. She yeah. She's always been open-minded yeah. and like curious, but you know, um, so that's cool. That, that was cool. Yeah. And that, that happens to people. Um, yeah. Like just being someone's friend in the past, maybe like, who knows, you don't know who will come around. Like, so that's kind of exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I always just project that you're you were raised Protestant because you live in the South. I'm like when I was like thinking about going on this stream, I was like thinking of I'm like oh I like I forgot you were raised without anything, right? In like, California? Yeah. Illinois and California, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I just because you both of the blue, the very blue, very godless areas of uh <laughs> the country. Yeah, both places. Yeah, Illinois is really blue, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, become Orthodox. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's a question. So, okay, questions I did have for you. Why Orthodoxy? Yeah. And how does someone become Orthodox? What was the first question? Why Orthodoxy? Yeah. Um, it's a good Why question. should a Protestant like me become Orthodox? Because, what could you become? Because the apostolic traditions are the closest to Jesus Christ, I would say. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm admittedly not an autistic man, so I'm probably not the best <laughs> You're not, wait, you're, you're not ortho bros? I thought that's, <laughs> I thought you were ortho I'm like ortho bro, I'm like their mom or something, no, I'm um, Yeah, I, I can speak to like my own experience. Yeah. Of, um, I mean, okay. Well, no, there, it, church, church history. Church history is a good reason to be Orthodox because if yeah. you follow the history all the way back to Jesus Christ, like the Orthodox Church is the it's the, the first church. Yeah, yeah, it's like the first established church of Jesus Christ. So it's retained the most traditions, and um, I think it's closest to the truth. I think it just like is the the truth. Like, um, 
I don't I don't believe in sola scriptura. I think life is more mysterious and like complicated than just the book. Plus the book came after the church. Um and like the church I, assembled the book. Yeah, the church assembled the book, right? So like the church was actually first. Um yeah, and when and when I went to an Orthodox church, I just felt like it was. Oh, I was raised Roman Catholic, so when I went to an Orthodox church, it felt like all the pieces that were missing from Roman Catholicism, like puzzle pieces, were suddenly in place. And then I learned that is because like the Roman Catholic Church split from the Orthodox Church. It used to all be in unity, and um, then it wasn't anymore. And I was like, that makes perfect sense because there's things missing, <laughs> like, and a lot. They keep changing things, but I'm giving kind of like a elementary answer here. It's, I don't, what would you say? Did you want to talk about like your experience for why orthodoxy? Well, I think, yeah, like what you said, like looking into church history made things make sense. Yeah. Um, and uh, whenever I, and we were raised Catholic. So our early experience of Christianity was uh, that, but, when we found the Orthodox Church, or okay, so I did, I when I became Christian again, I was like, yay, I'm Christian, hooray. And the end of the road <laughs> is here. No, then I needed a church, right? So that's when I did this deep, it just happened, this deep dive into the different denominations. And we did spend time back at Catholic churches and we found that they were Wait, really- it needs to be stressed that we like, like, didn't do this on purpose. Yeah. Like we did no. not become Orthodox on purpose at all. No. And yeah. we weren't, and I, and I was not consciously like, I need to go study all the different denominations. Yeah. It was just like happening like where I was like, I need a church. So we were going to Catholic churches and we found they were very much lacking in a feeling of community, which is something that I had experienced as a child as well. Like people take communion and then they just leave. Right. There's no sense of like, um, like, I don't know, just, we're all here. Maybe we should talk to maybe each we other. Talk to one another. We're here. Actual fellowship, actual yeah, fellowship. Yeah, fellowship. Yeah. Actual community. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So no sense of community. And we were finding that that was still the case, you know, 30 years later or whatever. At Roman Catholic um, churches. At the Roman Catholic churches. And then I went to some Protestant churches and they lacked other elements that I found important in church. The beauty, um, a lot of them were very, we talked about architecture earlier, a lot of them were very modern buildings and the interiors were very like just white walls yeah. and maybe like one cross and just Functional, like nothing. Not we're too Italian for it. I'm, yeah. I was raised, like, <laughs> like I'm an artist, I'm a visual artist, yeah. this doesn't make any sense. I mean, I mean art. we talked about why we love San Francisco, like the beauty of it, right? That's like a really a key way for me to feel connected to God. So yeah. the Protestant churches, I went to like a Baptist church, non-denominational church. They didn't have the beauty. They also didn't do communion every week. So I didn't even feel like I went to church um, because yeah, worship, inherent in worship is sacrifice. Like pre-Christian people would worship with sacrifice. The difference with Christianity is that Christ was the sacrifice, the last right? Final lamb. So to not have that element of your worship service just like felt wrong. And I later learned why I felt that way, right? Mm -hmm. um, after learning more about worship and history and things like that. Um, and then, yeah, looking into the, the theology and the doctrines, I just, um, it's really deep and rich. I, I just felt like the way they, the, the Orthodox don't polarize the faith and works thing, the way Catholics and Protestants do. Um, and the way that the Orthodox speak about that, uh, felt it just rang more true that we like participate in the energies of God 
and we are yeah. to strive for theosis, which is becoming more like God, we'll never be God or anything. But like our faith and works are not this like polarized thing like the West thinks of it. Um, that all just struck me as more resonant. And um, and then we and then the churches had community and they had beauty and they had worship and it just like felt right. And it really was just visiting the churches that really like settled it. Also, like we were like new age hippie people, um, <laughs> like did psychedelics and stuff. And like um, I. I, I liked a lot of like things that the, the hippie said, like um, like the mysticism of it. But I found all of that in orthodoxy, like, but it was Christian, and so it was like already things I already liked that was just coming from like a, a Christian church. Um, things that you like hungered for as part of your spiritual life, right? Like yeah. mystery and just the in, the inexplicable aspects of being, right? Yeah. And the orthodox orthodox have room for that and account for it and there is a mystical aspect to it that yeah as former new agers i think just really resonated with us and we spent time being kind of like hindu buddhist new age is the word for it because they, it's kind of like cafeteria religion where they like take a little bit of buddhism <laughs> like, <laughs> like oh, i like this guy from this place and i like this yeah guy none of the yucky parts like yeah. the women yeah, are yeah. <laughs> yeah all the old parts i like not the yeah, yeah. so yeah that's what I would say. But yeah, if you ask an ortho bro, you're going to get probably a different answer. <laughs> you're just going to way ahead of your oh, yeah. answer. I've, I've yeah. gotten their answers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're reading the female answer. Yeah. <laughs> My experience. It was like nice. No, I, I, I feel like sometimes I sound a little like frivolous when I'm explaining why. Like, oh, you thought it was pretty. It's like, that's, it's not that. Like, it's, it's not, like that's a, that is a part of it though. But like. It's not just that. Um, and there's like a difference between surface level pretty and like beautiful. Yeah. Something yeah. that rings true in your soul. Like, yeah. You can be like, okay, that painting's good. I can tell that's yeah. a good painter. But is it like beautiful? Is it like right. inspiring your soul to be great? Yeah. Right. Do I feel like I'm elevated? Yeah. Like, is it bringing me somewhere higher or is it decoration i guess but you asked another question you said why orthodoxy and then something else oh uh how does someone become orthodox oh um um you yeah you talk to a priest and express your interest and then he'll probably want you to take some classes um and he'll want to spend time with you and um teach you the faith and have you you know go to divine liturgy and the, the services and services and get to know the calendar and probably talk to you about fasting um and then I, I think like we kind of had a we had a pretty short um catechism process but a lot of people say it's like a year to even three years before you can be chrismated into the orthodox church and um there's like um also a question of like your baptism like we didn't we weren't baptized when we became orthodox because we were baptized in the name of the Trinity as infants in the Roman Catholic Church. And there's an agreement between uh, the Catholic and the Orthodox churches there. Um, but a lot of people who were raised Protestant, uh, sometimes like it's more like nebulous, whether their baptism was like a real baptism, a real sacrament, and they'll be rebaptized. Well, rebaptized, it's one bap. It's hard to. Well, <laughs> one baptism no. for the remission. Yeah, but, like so. they, they will be baptized because it didn't like wasn't like a real baptism in the eyes of the church. Because they were just dunked in water. They weren't. Yeah, by like Mary, who, yeah, like, who yeah. just said whatever he wanted and like, <laughs> yeah. So, 
you hear about that a lot, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big ortho fan. I'm a big cool. my my Bible is the Orthodox Study Bible. Like, oh, yeah, I really love that. I really love the church tradition. The cool. thing I don't and I, I do think so. Hear me out, Catholic. Can, like all my Catholic bros, stick stick with me right now. <laughs> all my oh, Protestant okay. bros, stick with me. Hear me out. So, <laughs> so I do like I do I my opinion is that like the Orthodox Church is the original church, and I think the Great Schism was the Catholics leaving yeah. that church. Don't hate yeah. me, Catholics. So that means all the Protestants and all the Catholics are coming are like a branch off of the original church. Yes. Yeah. But here's where I have a problem with the Orthodox, because that's not where it ended. Like there have been schisms now too. There's our, our different branches. There's Antiochian Orthodox. That's true. There's yeah. Greek. There's Armenian. There's Coptic. There's Russian. There's Rokor. You know, and it's mm-hmm. so like. If you're just saying I'm an Orthodox and that's that's the original church, it's like, well, which one? Because then even in the Orthodox Church, there's debates about who's schisming and not, you know. And I just think yeah. at the end of the day, like that is cool and that is important to know, so that you can like at some point revert back to those original traditions and customs that like the original church was doing and try to at least emulate that or come yeah. close to that. But also, like, I just think it's foolish about fighting over, and I get this a lot too with like, which version of the Bible are you reading, or which mm-hmm. church are you, you know, are you Catholic yeah. or are you Orthodox? To me, it doesn't matter. What matters is your relationship with Christ. What matters is that you, you know, return home to your heavenly Father through Christ. So yeah. I'm in the middle where I get hate from all directions because I don't pick one church and say this is the true church for this and this reason. I'm just more like, all I care about is, are you spiritually reunited with your creator? And if that takes you going to an Orthodox church, great, please keep doing that. If it, you know you have a little Baptist church you like that's helping you do that, great, please keep doing that. You know, if yeah. it's, you've taken Holy Communion on a Sunday at a Roman Catholic church, great, please keep doing that, you know? Yeah, I think the thing with like, so I, in the Orthodox Church, like your relationship with God is deeply personal. It's like the God is a personal God and he cares about you as an individual, like directly. But the problem with like, I don't know, being being like, well, it doesn't really matter which you pick. And like, in some ways it doesn't, because I don't believe that like, oh, if you're not in the Orthodox Church, you're going to hell. Like that's not an Orthodox belief at all. Um, but I do see a lot of risks with just being like, all I need is a, my Bible and my and just right. to talk to God alone or whatever. Like there, are, then you 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 see some like really wacky things coming out of that if you don't have like, I yeah, think a like spiritual father, like transgender pra- pa- pastors, pastors, yeah, <laughs> uh, like, story hours in the church. Yeah, yeah. There's probably some problems that could arise with yeah. People saying so like, I think and I feel. <laughs> yeah. About, right. about the Bible they, this way. Yeah. There's probably gonna be a lot of problems with that. Yeah. So you could say, yeah, so you can literally, yeah, in any direction say this, like what you just said about the Orthodox, well, they're still schisming. So as long as you have a personal relationship, it's like, yeah, but like the people with the personal relationship are like getting wacky. So like, I don't know. I just like, um, I don't, I don't really like the Pope. Never did. Never understood that. <laughs> um, learned history. It made sense. Why? So I just stick with the Orthodox church. Cause I, um, I think it allows that middle ground of where you like they very much encourage your personal relationship with God and they're never like you're going to hell if you don't follow all our rules like maybe that's a more Catholic thing 
Um, so it offers you that space of like a personal relationship with God and the institution, like humans need institutions, right? And um, so like you're in that place of like individualism and community. It's like the, the, the perfect synthesis for me. I would love to hear an ortho bro who knows more um, talk about the, the schism. I don't know if they, schism in, in the Orthodox church. They call them schisms. Um, yeah. Because I don't know a lot about it, but I feel like the differences are less profound than between like Orthodox and Protestant yeah. or Protestant and Catholic. Yeah. Uh, as far as beliefs, right? You, but you I don't know. I just walked into a history podcast. I tricked you. We're talking about the Great Schism tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not my, my, not my, uh, okay. no, but you're tricked right. You like, <laughs> <Welcome> <laughs> the, the schisming in like the Orthodox, it seems like, like political human human things stop yeah and, and and like but when i go to like all these different orthodox churches i'm like you guys are like a hair like things that are different are like pretty i don't this the melodies are a little different okay like but the divine liturgy follows the same the mm. same structure but yeah yeah someone who's smarter than me could talk about that have one. you been to a divine liturgy yeah i've loved Sweet. it every time that's I've cool been, awesome. and where do you i went to oh, a coptic ahead. a coptic one didn't understand okay. a single word. Felt yeah. So loved. Like all the people there were just smiles on their face. Like, yeah. Oh, some, some smiley white boy came and sat through this <laughs> whole thing. He must be cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's same awesome. thing with a Serbian. Went to a Serbian. It was a really small <laughs> church. And the same thing. I think they just really loved that, like, I was there. It just was yeah. just really warm, inviting, like, welcome to our family. Barely spoke any English. <laughs> uh, yeah. Didn't understand what was going on. All of a sudden, this guy's just like waving an incense like canister at me. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. Like, Whoa, I don't know. Do I have to pay for this? Like, what is going <laughs> You, you should. Uh, you. Should, I would totally encourage you to find an Orthodox church that's in English. Um, and I. Yeah. Because it is. It's like you picked up on the warmth and everything, right? Um, but like, like, I so, struggle in Orthodox churches where they're like all in Greek or whatever, you know, yeah. I'm just like, ah, um, even though it's like still great, you know, um, but finding one that's in English. Because what you're like, all the different like nationalities and, and, and things in with Orthodox churches that are in America is like a new world, like problem. Like it, it's because, it's because there's no like jurisdiction for America. So like all the churches, the Orthodox churches in America have, are answering to different cities in the Far East. Yeah. So it's like, it's a uniquely American thing. Yeah, that's why like, you get like, it's funny. That's why you see so many different. Well, it's cause like when you go to like Protestant churches, like people are, it's not so ethnic, you know, like yeah. Orthodox churches are so ethnic, which I think can turn people off. It sounds like it didn't turn you off or anything like that, but I've had people be like, oh, I went to an Orthodox church and like, it just felt like it wasn't for me because it was, all these people of a specific ethnicity and like I'm white and like what you know what I mean yeah. um and even we go to a Carpatho Russian church so everyone there is like Eastern European and we I mean like they're like American white people but like that's their lineage and we're like the only Italians in the whole church and uh not, it like doesn't matter because we're all American the, the old <laughs> ladies are so like like racist they were I, they were like we were like we're Italian and they go that's okay <laughs> That's fine. It's not like that. Okay. I know my people were just from Yeah, it's, it's, okay. it's not. But I'll tell you that just to be nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's not okay. Yeah, but 
Sorry. Yeah. It's I just, just the the ethnic identity around the churches is like an interesting thing that I didn't even realize was a thing when I was like exploring the Orthodox Church. You can't like do things with perfect knowledge, you know? Like, yeah. like that was another thing with libertarians. They were always talking about like like well, they, no, they were good about that, right? Didn't they say you couldn't like do anything with perfect knowledge? Yeah. The market is this like thing that is so nebulous that you can't like yeah yeah but it felt like that like becoming orthodox it was like kind of like being revealed to me i was like oh there there's a lot of different ethnic churches oh like i didn't yeah. like i didn't know that like yeah oh we fast a lot <laughs> that wasn't really like fully explained to me beforehand um there's just so much i don't there apparently is there's like western right orthodox churches yeah um and then there's so there are Italians there's eastern are catholicism yeah. Which is like under the Pope, but like really close to like mm -hmm. like an Orthodox liturgy. Like mm -hmm. they do the same liturgy, yeah. So what much. What I love about the Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church, my big my big love with this is church structure. Is like mm -hmm. what my Protestant friends hate <laughs> about yeah. it is like this is what the church says. Like the church. The church, yeah. And, like, we're kind of talking about, like, you know, in America, it's a little different because you have, like, the Russian, the Georgian, the different, like, branches. But in those mm -hmm. places, it's just the church. They don't view it as, like, like uh, Brentwood Baptist Church or yeah. blah, 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 like, First Presbyterian. Like, everyone yeah. has their own little, like, their little tiny my-named church. Or it could be a mega church or whatever, but it's, like, your little church. It's, like, no, this is bigger. This is the church. Yeah. You are one small component of the big church. And this yeah. church has rules and they're not going to change because these rules are based on the foundation of truth laid out in the Bible, like laid out in the scripture by the early church fathers, by the apostles, by Christ himself. You know, there's no, well, things have changed. Well, I yeah. think, well, we don't want to be mean. <laughs> well, you know, it's like none of that matters. It's like, this is the truth. We're not deviating from it. And if you can't handle it, like there's the door. Like, I don't know what to tell you. You know, if you don't want to obey God, go have fun <laughs> living satanically out in the wild on your own. Like, and then when you're ready, these doors are always open and welcoming you back. But it's like, we are, this is the church and it's not going to change. And I do respect that. The problem I have with it is someone that wasn't born and raised with like that system. And also by parents who were like the opposite of disciplinary. <laughs> like my big problems in life stem from the fact that my parents didn't discipline me. Um, it sure. is just weird. It's like uncomfortable for me. Sure. Whereas someone like, like for you, like you're born and raised in the Catholic church, I bet it's really easy or easier to go to orthodoxy. And it would yeah. probably be weird for you. Like you said, like you go to a Baptist church and you're like, oh, like there's no rules here. Yeah. And it's not even like thought of as rules though. Like that's not even really the word that I, that I would, it, my priest actually even told me once because there's fasting in the Orthodox Church. And I was like, I refer to it as a rule. And he's like, don't think of it as a rule. He's like, that's your Catholic. Don't think that's rules Catholic. Are What's that? Because again, like I used to be libertarian where it's like, oh, no rules. Rules right. are for fools, sure. man. Rules are mean, you know? Yeah. And now I'm like, I, I, rules are good for, I need rules. I am a mess without rules. Like We need structure. <laughs> me, even honestly, I know it all. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah, I, I I'm think... so stupid. I fall short every day, you know? But it's like we need rules, and especially like who's the best person to give those out? Probably the guy that created us. <laughs> yeah. You know, and if like his, if he's giving us rules or whatever you want to phrase that, like things you should and should not do, 
you should obey that. And if you have people around you trying to do the same thing, like you should join with them in that mission and be corrected or correct them, you know, if possible. But rules yeah, are the a bad thing. I think us libertarian kind of people fell for that. No, yeah. everyone, and freedom. I, <laughs> freedom. I still have that anti-authoritarian streak that I have to like watch that like that like contrarian don't tell me what to do thing you know like i have that it's very american no i'm in um, yeah it's very american but um the way it was like described to me is that like the orthodox like set the bar high right for whatever it is prayer fasting but it's not like people are going to like reprimand you or cast you out if you don't like hit the bar it's just you're like not punished yeah you're not like punished it's just like here's the standard like, like, you, like you can do, you know. Like Sean, I think I, I think actually you would find like if, if you went to more like talk to more Orthodox priests and got to know more that like how actually like weirdly gentle it is. It's so hard to explain because it's like, mm -hmm. it, it, it's like 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 loving dogma. It's like it's mm -hmm. never like punitive or no one is ever like hard on me for um, like my sins. Like it's it's just very loving and like I'm. It's also it's like. Your spiritual father knows what you need, right? Like you wouldn't, uh, our priest is always like, you don't give a baby steak, right? So to like tell, so my priest would not tell me, be vegan for a month now, right? That's what you need to do to fast. That's what we do, we're orthodox. I'm not, we're, like, that's that's not, it's not that. It's like, he knows where I'm at in my like pr fasting practice, which is not very far along and like not, very good at it and like right and so he's like you know don't eat meat on on wednesdays and fridays start there you know it's not like here's the rule and you better just do the rule you know it's like very much like people are assessing where you're at and there's a bar and there, there's something to aim for but it's not and it like actually it actually does give you a lot of 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 free will actually that's like emphasized um my, my friend who's going to become a, a priest is like god actually loves free will like it's not the libertarian like freedom like right kind of thing but he does like if god didn't give you free will he'd be a petty he'd be an awful tyrant so like, right he actually gives you like a, a lot of free will i think the orthodox respect that um yeah. so there's some paradox there yeah it's weird um it's interesting but the catholics they they were punishing like if i just learned about like what is it called if you if you miss um, you don't go to church. You were like obligated to go to a service every week, and if you don't, you have to go to confession. Like that's not an orthodox thing. Like no. it's like it's like yeah, we understand. Sometimes you miss church. Like <laughs> yeah, like they're more no. That if you die and haven't gone to church for the week, you're going to hell. That's really? what I say. Yeah, yeah. You have to go to confession, <laughs> or you're gonna go to hell. Go and it feels so duty bound, and then they don't like social because they didn't want to be there. They just don't want to go to hell. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's just a weird way of looking at spirituality for me. It's like, yeah, it's it is that's rules based that's to rules. me. Yeah. Like that's like, and the Orthodox is just not the same spirit. It's so hard to it's so hard to explain because it, yeah. it's like rules is like more of a Western like idea, I guess, for it than what it actually is. But it's like, yeah, like guidance and structure, but without like a punitiveness if you fail. Yeah. So it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> but it's also not like do whatever you want. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like people are going to Protestants like or whatever. Or yeah. More like make your own church. So yeah. Yeah. So, you're the preacher <laughs> yeah. now. You didn't have to go through like any channels to get to that position. It's like, not a free for all. <laughs> 
Yeah. But it's also not like you're <laughs> like the Catholics are so they can be mean, I guess. Like Well growing up Catholic, I think because it was so rules based, like that was kind of the idea. It may it inspired the spirit of rebellion in a lot of people. Yeah. Right? Because if you asked questions, it was like not uh met well right or it felt like you couldn't ask questions or like whatever and it was it, and i feel like something about the catholic approach to spirituality inspires rejection and rebellion like many of the people i know who were raised catholic are no longer religious at all um and there's something rotten there like if that's the fruit whereas like I don't know, I'm sure there are plenty of Orthodox people that are no longer religious as well, but I don't, I see many more people who've retained their faith. Yeah. Um, and so. Yeah, I, I, I wanna, I wanna be, okay. I stand Orthodoxy, but like I, my friends are all over the map. Like, and, and that, that's actually like the church is like, we don't know who's going to heaven and hell. We don't say that you like have to be Orthodox to go to heaven. Like, right. Which seems accurate to me. Like people can live a Christian life and like have like, a Christian heart and maybe even like not even think they're a Christian. That's a real possible, like that's a real thing. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm sure I sound like all over the map. <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about, but it's like, what does she believe? She like believes in the church, but doesn't blah, blah, blah. Like, well, the Protestant <laughs> idea is like, we know who will be saved. It's those who profess Christ. Yeah. Right. But the Orthodox, I, it's like, we don't know who, who will be saved. We, it's there are people in the church and outside of the church who will be saved and like we don't you do your best with what you do the knowledge you've been have had access to basically it's like you know if you're if you're like in sub-saharan africa and you've never heard of orthodoxy but you live a good life like who's to say you're not going to heaven god's not gonna be like well he never heard the word like he never heard of orthodoxy he's going straight to hell like I've had this argument with Protestants on Twitter. They're like, no, he hasn't heard the word. So like someone who, we have to go out and tell them because they're not gonna they're be gonna saved. Go to hell, yeah. And I'm like, that's just not, I don't think that's, I don't think that's right. Well, that's, it's not what the church teaches. Yeah, it's not what the church <laughs> There's that I think. <laughs> well, I like it, like, that's why I really love the Orthodox study Bible, because like, you know, you read the Bible, you go to the footnotes, okay, what is this explanation? And the mm -hmm. wording is always like, the church says. <laughs> yeah. The, right. the early church fathers said, you know, it, it's yep. always like this factual, like, this is what so-and-so wrote in 200 about this parable. Right, right. And like, you go to like the other more Protestant study Bibles and it's like, well, scholars believe, oh. well, I think what it means, it's like very <laughs> like, subjective and yeah sorry i don't believe like 19th century scholars <laughs> i just don't you know i don't know yeah. why really yeah <laughs> yeah it's like i'm gonna trust uh john of patmos before i trust yeah some unnamed <laughs> scholar in england 200 years yeah. ago you know so like yeah like and i really just like that like general premise of like this is what this is the truth and like, yeah. this isn't my modern interpretation. This isn't like some fun, cute, anecdotal, make, put a smile on your face, like sermon. This is just, this is the truth. And this is what like the people who originally wrote this and lived this out and started and founded the church thought and believed and taught, you know? And it's like, to me, that's more important to learn than just like, 
what does John MacArthur think about this parable? <laughs> like, yeah. Okay, like, I hate on John MacArthur. He's cool. I agree with him. But, like, okay, like, his opinions or his interpretations are not as valid to me as, like, the church. Yeah. <laughs> the, and even un, the unashamed, undeviating church standard. Not, like, so-and-so thinks or so-and-so changed this to be more appealing or whatever. And there's just power in that. And, like, yeah, you could say rules, all big... Big evil daddy giving you a bunch of tyrannical rules to obey. Yeah. It's like, no, it's for our benefit. It's, you know, we deviate against these rules. Things go bad. Yeah. <laughs> Just like yeah. a father wants you to not, like, stick knives in electrical sockets or run out into traffic. Yeah, yeah. you can say, like, that's mean that dad's giving me rules. Or you can say oh, my dad you know. loves me and wants me to yeah. be better, you know. And so he gave me these rules to keep me healthy and happy and safe, you know. Yeah. But uh, too, like, yeah. like you're saying with the drugs thing and then like with the Catholic rejection, I think there's a big thing where like you get told like, don't do drugs, they're bad. You know, don't have sex, it's, it's, it's bad. Yeah. And then like you go to college and like you make a mistake and you do drugs and you're like, this was great. <laughs> and then so you're like, oh, like everything everyone told me is a lie. I'm now going to yeah. rebel. Yep. Like, oh, I had sex. It was great. And there wasn't any consequences. Everyone told me there'd be so many, I'd get a disease and I'd get pregnant and none of that happened. So I'm just going to keep doing it. You know, and like, there is this, like, when you're, when your foundation is based on lies, when you just start lying to kids and saying like, drugs are bad. You will die if you smoke a marijuana. It's yeah. like, even though your ends are good, you're like, I, I want my kid not to be a drug addict because it's better for him. You can't lie to them. Those lies are what's going to lead that kid away from them. And like, I yeah. know my family, my mom's side was originally like Irish Catholic from Chicago. And they all left the church like as fast as they possibly could. Because yeah. they were lied to. Like they were lied. And it was probably from a good place. Like the people, the, their teachers, their priests, their nuns and all that stuff probably wanted these kids to like not have to deal with Satan. You know, not yeah. fall into sat satanic traps and tried to like scare them to be good and flee from the devil. The problem is like you're, you're doing that with lies. And when those lies are exposed, those kids are going to not trust you. And then they're going to probably default to what's the opposite. Well, these people yeah. like lied to me my whole life. I'm going to do the opposite of what they do. And the opposite Satanism yes. <laughs> or paganism, you know. Yes. And I think that's like a pandemic is like, it doesn't matter what really your ends are, what that, what your goal is or who you are. Are you the Catholic church, Orthodox church or Protestant church? Like you have to base what you're saying on truth and you have to do it out of pure love, like with good intentions. You can't just like justify the intent, the ends. You can't justify the means by having good ends, you know? And I think yeah. we deal with that a lot. Like you were saying earlier with the drug issue, like that's, to me, that's the most blatant example. Someone like, oh, you told me all these drugs were going to ruin my life. And then they like have 10 years of fun and then it ruins their life. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I um, don't see the consequences right away, but like you also shouldn't be lying to them about the consequences, scaring them away from it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I talked to my priest about this um, because like, I, I was like, well, how far do things go? Like, I'm a Christian now, but I'm ha sitting here having a beer with you. Like, but, <laughs> but like, isn't this indulgent? And like, maybe, like, what is, you know, and he, he talked about like scope. He, he was pretty much told me like, 
we actually talked about like marijuana and he was like he was like you know there's uh you could be smoking there's medicinal marijuana you have epilepsy and like you know um cannabis helps you with your seizures or or you're smoking every single day oh and then you're like adding other drugs on top of that oh and then you're like ignoring your family he was like it's about like if god is the unmoving center it's like the distance you get away from from god that um is the sin and i think that like nuance is important to communicate to people instead of just being like all drugs are bad like it's like i actually do think marijuana has some medicinal elements to it i'm not like totally like like stay completely away from weed like i think people who say that have never actually smoked it um and like um and i also like work around that field so i've heard a lot of stories of it actually having medicinal qualities it's like you could take any i'm very interested in the line between like medicine and drugs you could take like anything you have in your medicine cabinet and abuse it right and then you're like really sinning and really in bad shape or you take it when you have a headache and then that's and then you don't take it for months you know like um so that's the difference there but um but yeah you're right it's like it's like i don't know some of the like tropes we grew up with were, were actually like not honest and they weren't like they didn't have enough nuance to like keep us close right because we were smart kids and it's like this sounds ridiculous because it kind of was <laughs> like, yeah it kind of was like and the message maybe should be more like yeah you're you might you're gonna sin but it's like okay and god forgives you like even that just like gentle message wasn't really communicated to me enough i think like like it was like be totally abstinent and if you fail like you're punished or if it's like if you if you're not totally abstinent from everything that's bad and you fail then it's all over so you might as well just go down that rabbit hole anyway you yeah, know what i mean yeah. like, you know there's no who, what human can hold themselves to that standard yeah and like actual christianity is like no there's like you repent and you're forgiven but you might fall again but then you repent again and like if yeah. you're like that then c.s lewis writes about that really well oh yeah yeah i forget the analogy i think he says it's like the Christian man like trips, but like gets back up and then trips again, but like gets back up. Yeah, that's Something like, like that. that's more what life is is like. Yeah. Than, like stay away from all drugs and sex, and and don't let any bad media enter your your mind. And like like it's just that's not what life is is always like. I mean, like yeah, you want to avoid. I'm always I'm always wondering about like it goes back to this like live on the farm thing we've been talking about. It's like how much do you avoid? How pure? Can how pure do you like? you expect yourself to be right like you have to accept your human nature also like you're gonna mess up like you try but the honest to god truth is is that you're gonna like fail sometimes so gotta have a standard it's a marathon yeah yeah you don't have to be perfect you just have to get back up and keep running that marathon yeah right that's the way to put it yeah exactly and that's the actual like truth of christianity like the true christian message is that and i think people get like, I don't know, caught up in like, yeah, purity spiraling. It's like, yeah. we're trying our best to be like pure and good, but like the truth is, is that we're humans in a fallen world. So like, you know, just being honest with people about that, like it's okay to be wrong and, and mess up. I don't know, maybe people worry if you tell people that they'll just indulge it, but mm-hmm. I, it is hard, yeah, but. Um, then you start doing really well, and then you like that pride sinks in. You know? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's like as yep. soon as you think you're good, it's like something else kind of 
<laughs> yep. yes. Man, now I've been doing right. such a good job at uh, yep. sinning, you know, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, you want to check that last sentence? <laughs> yeah. I'm such a good Christian. I should yeah. start my own church. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> good. Hey, everyone, look at how good I am. <laughs> oh, no, man, that's good. And that's, and that's, yeah, that's like, that's where virtual, right? on the right, that's a lot of virtue signaling comes from there, too. It's like, well, we had 16 home births and live in the middle of <laughs> Yeah. It's like keeping up with the Joneses, but for the right wing is like yeah. that stuff. Um, and like, I'm down with all that. It's not like the things in general. It's more like the ideology around it that is the problem. Like there's something. The posturing. Yeah, the posturing the about pride. that is the problem. Yeah, yeah. The, the pride, not the, the home birth, the goats, the farm, whatever, all that's like so val good. value neutral, it's all good. But yeah. Um, it's kind of the like, yeah, the competitiveness and the like pride that comes along with it, I suppose, that I see anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think it's those kind of people like it's it's bound, it's destined to fail. Because yeah. are, is what you're doing bringing glory to God or is what you're doing bringing glory to yourself? Ah, yeah, there it is. And if you're authentically like bringing glory to God and you're like posting on social media because like you authentically are trying to inspire other people to do that. You're trying to mm -hmm. show other people like this is possible. You know, I really like videos because like I'm like a born and raised city boy idiot who like now lives in Tennessee and is like asking men, like I have to humble myself before I grow men and be like, please, sir, can you take me out and teach me how to shoot a gun? <laughs> can you teach me how to fish? <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're like 30. Like, what? <laughs> uh, hear me. I'm a, yeah. I'm a city boy. I'm a, I'm a house cat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it does. It's like you, you have to humble yourself. You have to get over it. And so mm -hmm. for me, I relate to a lot of people like that who post stuff online where they're like, I've never done this before. And I'm going to take you along on this journey with me to like build a shipping container home. And mm. like then they they're they're not afraid to be like I made up I, I or I me I messed up, don't make this mistake like I did this thing it was really stupid, no going mm. back, but he's putting it online for like others to get inspired to do it for others to be like well I'm a nobody and this guy's a nobody but he like built himself a house, yeah. maybe I could like get up off my butt and build that like ottoman I've always been telling myself I could build, yeah you know like there is like some practical use from like portraying your quote unquote trad life. But it's like oh. that, like, are your intentions like good or are yeah. they self-serving? Are you like, look at me, look at how, yeah. look at my new dress. Look at how much, yeah. uh, look at how much milk my cow produced, you know, you're like yeah. bragging about your situation. That's going to fall. <laughs> yeah. That's a house built on sand. Like you're lying and deceiving. You're doing it for your own self. And like, you might have fun for a while, like all worldly people do. Yeah. secular minds you know they indulge and they love their life but eventually consequences catch up yeah like eventually it's the always, debts have to be paid on that yep yeah it always comes back to humility and like i guess your intentions like but people aren't always honest with themselves about their own, their own intentions so like yeah. the twitter glory is too sweet oh yes the sweet I sweet a few extra likes yeah, oh, sweet, sweet likes. Like bot, a bunch of bots like me. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Or simps. <laughs> Even worse. Yeah, I like, hate those. I hate all the simps. I have to, <laughs> uh, to be a man on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can. Yeah, like 
you can like play a character online and and and, and like plug into a sort of formula and like an algorithm and source like attention really easily like i found myself doing it for a little bit and then i was like this is like actually not who i am like i'm playing a character because i know this this uh way of tweeting works and then i get i source um attention from it and it started to feel really gross um and i didn't like the like quality of the attention i was getting like it was mostly just like simps and, and stuff like that um <laughs> like so that's like kind of the i guess like i don't know what i'm, I'm trying to say but like yeah it's um i don't know i guess people need to do a check on themselves like be honest about themselves about who they are and like i think that's good that you are, are like i have to humble myself and go ask people like how to do things that like maybe i should have <laughs> should have learned right like yeah. like I mean, even we, we grew up in a small town in a rural area, but like our, our dad didn't go hunting. He, oh, he did a bunch of stuff. Uh, he didn't go hunting, but he was like very handy, good with his hands. But like, we don't know how to do anything. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm not, I'm not sure if he had a son, if you would have taught him. Cause that generation's very like, I'll do it. And like, I don't know why they didn't really like pass it on. Like, yeah, my dad didn't. Yeah. Like they know my how dad, to do like, it. dad built houses. And like, just oh, because when I was a little kid, I was like, oh, dad, I don't want to do this. He would just be like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, looking back, I wish my dad would have just like, like spanked me and been like, I am teaching you this, son. Yeah. One day you yeah. will thank me. And I'm like, no, yeah. dad, I want to play with my Pokemon cards. He's like, I am teach, son, I am teaching you how to change a, a wheel on your car. Yep. No, yeah. dad. Like, I, I yeah. wish I had, because like, looking back, my dad was just like, okay, whatever. Like, uh, I don't yeah. want him to hate me. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's difficult like dealing with my little temperamental son. So I guess I just won't teach him like valuable life yeah. skills. And it's like yeah. now I wish he had done that. Yep. <laughs> Whereas when I'm a little that. kid, I'm like, oh, dude, my dad's great because he leaves me alone. And now it's like, <laughs> oh, I wish he would have just taught me useful things. <laughs> and no, you're I, not the first millennial I've talked. Every millennial I've talked to that had like a handy dad did not get the knowledge imparted upon them. No. It's just like something with the boomer parenting style. Well, it's like what Sean's saying. It's like they wanted their kid to like them instead of being like, no, like I am the parent and I know what's best for you. And like, like you sit here and pay attention to this, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know how to do it elegantly. Like, I'm... We're not parents. I'm not, yeah. And even <laughs> if I was, I might not be I'm able not to a do dad. it elegantly, but... <laughs> Still, it's like there was no idea. I think the boomers lacked an idea that there was something they needed to impart or something. There's something there with like modernity being too comfortable, um, taking things for granted, that there was no sense of having to impart things. So now millennials don't have their religion. They don't have skills, like handy skills. We definitely know our way around computers and technology. But um, it's just uh, so much has been like lost, I guess. Yeah. Not being fruitful and not multiplying. Yeah. We were talking about that today. How everybody thinks that means just having children, but we were saying we don't. Well, someone told me that uh, Orthodox monks actually interpret it as uh, like they have a wider definition of uh, be fruitful and multiply means like multiply like your spiritual gifts or your spiritual children, like not just right. biological children, which makes, makes more sense to me. Um, mm -hmm. Like... Yeah, and you just used it that way, right? Yeah, like, that's what he made me think of it. Well, yeah, like, like Paul, like, Paul had a, was called by God to do a certain mission, right? And that yeah. didn't involve a woman and children. 
Right, right. Many but things. He was was he fruitful and multiplying? Yes. Yes. <laughs> he was a I disciple who made disciples. You know. Right. So like, yeah. yeah, it should be like all, and like being fruitful doesn't mean like you own a cherry tree, <laughs> right? And you're picking that. You know, these aren't like like singular words with one specific meaning. It's like a very generalized term of like bear good fruit, like do good works, yeah. have faith, and like do what you're told. And then carry that on, like instill that into the future generations or just those yeah. around you. Or even those around or, you. Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say that. Or like people around you. Like there are people on this earth right now who didn't have good parents that like need to be parented. And sometimes I can see people who don't have their own biological kids parenting like other people, even if they're all, all adults. So that's, that's interesting. And that's, that's what an act like this civilization ideally is. It's people like, stewarding things right and um helping the people around them so yep i think sometimes people have like a narrow definition of that and then they like get hard up they're like you're 30 you should have 10 kids by now it's like yeah how are we supposed to do we that, get that in this society <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah like how are you holding people to an 1800 standard it's funny because it's like my entire life it was like just absolutely zero messaging about kids being a good thing or marriage being good to strive for but like, the world's yeah. overpopulated the world, I got literally up, and then it's like you approach 30 and everyone's like, why don't you have 10 kids? I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you're the reason why I don't have 10 kids. Yeah, but it's also like, I went through my own transformation. Now I'm in very different circles who, and now the people I'm around like value that more than the people I used to be around. So it's also like my own circles changing. Yeah, yeah. but still it's just like, you know, I am a product of the modern world. Like, yeah, and, that t and like you were talking about being humbled by not knowing how to do certain like tasks and stuff. And it's like, yeah, that humbles me every day. Like, yeah, I'm 31 and I don't have kids. Like, yeah, yeah that takes a ton of humility to like carry that around. It's like, and yeah, not be like super embarrassed by it. It's like, yeah, like, yeah. the culture chewed me up and spat me out. Like, yeah, it's, so really, em it's really embarrassing. Like, yep. So, eh. yeah. <laughs> it's all humility. What, what saint says that humility is the only path to God? Um, some Orthodox saying probably one of them. It's like it's like that's like probably a lot of them. Probably a lot of them. But one, <laughs> probably a very concise quote about it. Like, that's at the core of all of this. Yeah, it's like yeah, you don't get close to God through being prideful or lustful or like you know full of yourself or having a big ego. You just, it's the total opposite of that, and it, it seems. I think that's actually might seem counterintuitive to people because they're like, well, I feel like a god right now. Like, I feel mm -hmm. so, like, high on my own supply because mm -hmm. of all like, the stuff I have and everything I've done. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it's like, actually, no. Like, You're, that must be godly. Yeah. Right? That must yeah. be the Roman idea of God. Hope you really <laughs> soak that in because it's not going to last long. Yeah. Right. Um, it... <laughs> True. And Pride. then. <laughs> Pride comes before the fall, right? You're at your highest before the fall. Yeah. That, that was another thing about becoming a Christian too, is like all these old cliches started to make sense. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know that the seven deadly sins were like a religious. Religion. I don't know. I was like, yeah, there was a lot of stuff when I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Like a lot of like... Jesus is teaching. So I'm reading it for the first time, like age 28 being like, I read like a bunch of like Jesus's teachings, like into philosophy. And I was always like, oh yeah, 
Jesus is like a cool dude, you know? <laughs> <laughs> He's got some cool stuff. He said some cool stuff like Gandhi did, you know? Um, but then when you're, like, finally, like, you're... you're you've been humbled. <laughs> Your life is totally transformed. And you're reading with new with eyes to see for the first time. And you're reading the New Testament... Everything in it is you're like, whoa, this makes sense. Yeah. Because like yeah. you have been hearing these truths or you've just been seeing these truths on your own. Because like yeah. truth repeats and truth shows itself, you know? Yeah. Like, man, I didn't know this was Jesus. Or like, man, my whole life yes. what he just said, like it's summarized this big lesson that I learned in my life on my own. Right. And it's yes. like, yeah. <laughs> because <Yes. laughs> because here's God telling you <laughs> like truth, you know, this like un unimaginable truth that like when you don't know it, it's so seems silly. It seems like a fairy tale. It seems stupid and archaic. Yep. But then when you understand it's like the living, breathing word of your creator, and you start to have eyes to see and ears to hear it correctly, it becomes a living, breathing word. You know, it becomes logos, like the embodiment of everything. It becomes truth, logic, order, justice. Like everything makes sense. And then you look back on like your life and you're like, how did I possibly not get this? Yeah. <laughs> how did I possibly rebel against this? You know? Yeah. But yeah, a lot you... of those like phrases and meanings and stuff, you're like, I understand this somehow. Yeah. And yeah. like, it's because it is truth. It's rooted in like the truth, the objective yep. truth, the logos. The truth. And the truth that like I didn't come up with, right? Like, right, I didn't yeah. write the story, you know, I didn't write the rules. I didn't make, you know, like the big idea in the new age is that you're the author of reality. Um, <laughs> that's a big idea. And it's just like, yeah, that was cute. cute. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like what you're saying, like, like as you read the Bible and like, you know, these cliches come alive, it's like, um, it's like, it's not dead history. History is actually like happening all the time. Like, right. Like it's all alive around you. Um, and it's not even like echoes. I don't know, it's a hard thing to articulate, but um, yeah, you think like, oh Jesus, that's like ancient history, that story of Jesus. And then it really hits you that it's like, yeah, like living, living word of God all around you every day. And it's, yeah, and it's, it's easy to be like, what yeah. was that? Sorry, I didn't interrupt. Oh, I just didn't hear what you said. Um, I think you said living God. Yeah, living God, yeah. Um, but I forget what I was going to say. <laughs> the, big yeah. thing, the big thing for me, so I, I'm reading Matthew for the first time. I was like, okay, I'm going to skip the Old Testament because it sounds weird and confusing. And, <laughs> you know, the bunch of names and line lineages I don't know. I'm like, ah, I don't yeah. care about that. So I started reading Matthew. And then, of course, like the first chapter is just lineages. And you're like... <laughs> okay, I don't under I don't know any of these people, any of these yeah. weirdly named people. I don't understand this. But then you're like, I'm reading, and it's like Matthew three, Matthew Sermon on the Mount comes, like all the parables start coming in, and you're just like, dude, how did anyone keep this from me? Yeah. <laughs> like this is so true. Like you cannot stop reading it. And for me, like as a, someone who's a non-Christian, I've just believed like Christians were hypocrites. My whole thing yeah. was like, Christians are hypocrites. They're fake believers. The people at the top use the people at the bottom. Like, you know, most Christians are just useful idiots being used for power yep. and control, you know. And then I start to see Jesus calling out these people. Mm. And it was blowing my mind. Like when Jesus is interacting with Pharisees, the Pharisees are the people I thought Christians were. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, 
So even in this book, I'm seeing Jesus rebuke the people that like kept me from being a Christian. And you start seeing like, even Jesus is doing this. Like even wow. Jesus is speaking the truth to power. You know, he's calling out the hypocrites. <laughs> he's not talking about him behind his back. He's not preaching to a crowd. He's in their face. Like you are hypocrites <laughs> to wow. these powerful men, you know? And it's yeah. like, that's to me, like I was buying into all these lies of like, oh, Christians are just, they're, uh, they're mean and they don't care and they're hypocrites and they just want power and money and status and they're all about themselves. And it's like, then you read the New Testament where Jesus is rebuking all of that, you know, and it just shatters your worldview. Like I was assuming all Christians are X, Y, and Z. And it turns out Jesus does not want <laughs> X, Y, and Z out of you. He wants A, B, and C out of you, you know? And that's what he's calling you to over and over again. So it really shattered my mind just reading Matthew, the, the, just the Gospel of Matthew for the first time in a lot of ways. But um, that was a big one. Just me like falsely believing Christians were this and that, when in fact that's not the case at all. And yeah, there are some that are because no Christian's perfect, because man is not perfect. The only one, only one who was, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, just to me, it was like just so earth shattering, like like a like an actual revelation of, oh, this is deeper. <laughs> oh, like that stuff I thought that like was easy for me to like like um, straw man, like build up arguments against. Actually, Jesus was doing that right away. <laughs> like in the first few chapters, he's doing that. You know. Huh. Um, yeah, it's like like Amy said that when she was coming back to Christianity, she was she had like lived in the DC area in Arlington, Virginia for a while and like met a lot of Christians in libertarian circles because she was working for a libertarian nonprofit. And then um, when you were coming back to Christianity, you were like, oh yeah, like Christians are always like good and nice to me. Right? Like, like, yeah. she, like it's true. We have this, I think, like a false idea of an abstract, in the abstract yeah. of what Christians are like. But then, yeah. like, on the ground, if you actually, like, meet Christians, they're nice. They were nicer to me than, like, the atheists. <laughs> That's just another example of, like, our coming to Christianity being more, like, experiential. And I think yours was the encounter with the Bible. Well, there was experiential stuff for you, too, I think. Yeah. But um, it's, like, a similar thing where it was, like, oh, people, I've always had this idea about Christians or what they're like. or um, And, like, as a child... They seem, or I don't know, just like reflecting on Christians we knew was helpful to be like, it's not what people say or assume, right? The other thing is like, I think I, I think I thought Christians were stupid. Um, a big thing, Jordan Peterson is not a Christian, but he was talking about the Bible in ways that were like, sounded smart. Like I always thought religion was for dumb people, you know? Um, and that's kind of the idea we get from our universities and our like, um, elite cultural class is that like dumb people are religious and smart people are into science and yeah. <laughs> you know and and these are polarized things and um, so like but but religious people are often they're like the deepest thinkers right I, or from what I've found um, who are really asking the moral questions and um, seeking the truth it just happens to lead back to Christianity I had no idea color me shocked that all my inquiry into truth led back there. Like I, I <laughs> the last place I wanted to look. Yeah. Like, yeah. The last place. That's just where it ended up. <laughs> like, okay. 
Yeah, against all my will. I'm like, who is losing? It can't be that. Like, really? Can't be that. Can't be that. But that's where the roads led, you know? Yeah. I didn't want it to be, but I have to be honest. I always want to tell people, like, like Jesus is probably not who you think he was. Like, kind of like what you're describing, that, like, Jesus actually, like, called out hypocrites. And, you know, like, I think, I don't know, I think that maybe people have... I don't know what they think of Jesus, like as a figure <laughs> that they reject. Like, well, I love that like Jesus came as like a man, like mm -hmm, yeah, and like a low status man, like yeah, a tradesman. He was born in a in a I almost said a brothel. <laughs> he was born. <laughs> Might as well have been. I mean, you know, basically born, just born in dirt, born in filth around animal. You know, like everything about yeah. this story is like. Even like when people saw him, it was just like, this is the Messiah. Yeah. Like, just this guy, you know? And yeah. like, that was the whole thing too. Cause the Pharisees were like, when the Messiah comes, he'll look like us. He'll look like me. We're the righteous people. Yeah. We're the ruling religious elites. He's going to dress like us. He's going to be strong. He's going to fight battles and he's going to be super smart. And you know, he's going to solve all our problems for us. And, he again again he's just gonna look just like me because we're the righteous ones and then like he just came and he was just like in dirty robes and like sleeping with animals and like he was just <laughs> a guy he was like an unimpressive guy yeah and that's like the most contrast you could possibly have to the all-knowing all-powerful being that he was you know like yeah. so unimaginably large and powerful and above everything and beyond everything but I love yeah. that beauty and contrast because then that shows us. And I know like the theosis concept, that's like, even us, we can strive to be perfect too. Yeah. Even you, even you, you crippled man, or you broke person, or you, you know, lifelong sickness and illness and bad luck. Like anything you could imagine that's your story that makes you normal or less than or inferior, weak or broken, whatever your situation is, like Jesus came to embody the idea and the promise that like there is hope for you anyways there is still redemption for you anyways you can still be delivered from what's tormenting you anyways you know and it's mm. through him it's through a man who did that in that same process just like you're about to to me that's yeah. the beauty of it <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's i so do beautiful. like that he was just like a guy he wasn't like some big king david coming and saving everyone yeah he came and saved yeah. in like a, a very modest normal way and that was a, I mean, all the all the other like myths, mythologies, and religions before that, like the gods in their mythologies were like super super gods, you know, like bolts of lightning out of their fingers, and like, you know, there there was never like this. Like, the actual truth of God is that he like he like he walked like humbly among people and like walked the walk of people like a person so that he could show you the way, right? So it's not, yeah, it's a very like different, different thing. Cause people are always, you know, they're like, why Christianity over any of these other religions? And it's like, I'm always trying to like convey the like you, the, the pure like uniqueness of the story of Jesus. Like it's very different than anything um, that ever came before. Um, e even that he like went to, to, this was not taught to me in Catholicism that uh, Jesus at the point Catholics focus on the, the crucifixion, but at that moment of crucifixion, like Jesus went to Hades and freed the the souls that were the righteous souls that were in hell, and um, liberated them. 
And that's a very important like, part of the yeah. story that was just never emphasized. So in Orthodoxy, like the icons and how you see Jesus, like there's pictures of Jesus on the cross, but it's more like the resurrected, um, like it's his triumph, his like triumph over death. Yeah. Yeah. Of the kind of like the gore. Yeah, the, yeah. When we yeah, Catholics focus more on the suffering, mm-hmm. and the Orthodox focus more on the resurrection the and the yeah and the, the good, the good news, that yeah. Yeah, you don't have to suffer eternally. Like, <laughs> if you follow Jesus, you don't have to suffer eternally. So, yeah, it's really, it's very, like, deep and beautiful. And the more I learn about it, the more, like, rich it is. And, um, you know, you could spend your whole, I mean, the, whole, the point is to spend your whole life learning about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't tempt me with a good time. <laughs> yeah. Don't tempt me. <laughs> There's a good, I've heard this, like, I've heard this told like one time as like an anecdote and then someone uses this in like a sermons, but I don't know who originally came up with the thought, but it's like the universalist mentality of like, there's God and he's on top of a mountain and all you have to do is just climb the mountain to get to him. And there's all these different paths on the mountains. And one of the paths is called Buddhism. And one of the paths are called Hinduism. Mm. And one of the path is, so you have all these different like religions and ideologies and idols that are you know, it's all the same thing, really, even though they're different, because everyone's just trying to go up to God. Everyone's just on their different path, but all of the paths eventually lead up to God, right? Yeah. It's like, that's a cute thought. Yeah. But the first premise is that, like, you're trying so hard to find God, and you're not there yet. So none of those paths have reached God. They're trying to get there, and they're failing. They're falling short. God then saw that. he saw this was happening and he came down to us he came down as a man like i said like we were just saying like that was weak he was uneventful he was boring you know he was just a dude and he came and spoke to just dudes just normal people like he came down off the mountaintop took human form came down with us and showed us here is the truth the light the way here is the correct path and all you have to do is just like hold my hand and follow me and we're going to walk up to the promised land together and now it's like out there it's out there in the world and everyone can see that and achieve that and hold that for themselves you know they just choose not to for whatever reason they want to ignorantly follow their their other path they're on or they want it to be easier or they want it to be more difficult than it really is you know whatever mm-hmm. it is it's holding them back their addictions their comforts their um need to have stuff like known and not take risks. <laughs> Their need yeah. to like live safely and lo- live a long time here on this earth, you know, instead of being mm-hmm. willing to sacrifice at all. But the beauty is that like we don't have a God that's far and distant. We have a God that came down to us and is always there, ready to accept us no matter where we've been or how far we've gone, and is right there ready to help us up the mountain. It's not you go up and do it on your own. You go pick yourself up by the bootstraps and become perfect. On your own. Good luck, yeah. buddy. <laughs> I believe in you. You'll get to that mountaintop on your own. Uh, I like that it's just almost too easy. God came down to us, and all we have to do is just accept that. Yeah, one of the New Age ideas is kind of what you said, where, like, all religions the same, you know? And it, it was interesting, too, because when we were trying to, like, when we were, like, going on our journey and ending up back at Christianity, there was this very real sense of, like, 
I think before that we had been trying to like recreate or not recreate, but create something that's already been established. Like that's what the new age scene feels like. People are trying to like come up with Sunday rituals and like come up with um, some dogma or doctrine or something. Um, but doing that in a way that rejects everything that like came before, they're not using any imparted wisdom or anything like that. And there was such a relief in coming back to Christianity where it was like, oh, I don't need to like come up with all this myself or like recreate some, or, or not recreate, create something that like speaks to my soul and like nourishes my spirit because it's already here. And it was like here the whole time. Um, mm -hmm. And when we were in, because when we were in San Francisco, it was a lot of like, you know, we would all get together on Sundays, but we were like doing like, people were like doing drugs and like, and that was their Holy Communion. Yeah. <laughs> like, there was this longing for something and it exists and it already exists and and they, they're they willing to look everywhere, but at Christianity, right? Yeah. And um, that was really it. Like, yeah. Every, everything. And that tells you a lot about like Jesus that, um, in a lot of places, like everything is okay except Jesus. Like, yeah. yeah I wonder why. <laughs> I wonder why all these evil people really hate Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. There's some kind of answer I'm overlooking here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, like like you were saying, like God, like Jesus walks like like with you, like um. Yeah, it's that like tension between like we're like an individual to God, but we're also like all in communion with each other and like walking together. That's why I think like a church is so important because um yeah, yeah you need to be like in the body of Christ, right? Like you're all a, a part of it and um it's really hard to like it it's simple, but like it is also can be hard to walk that alone. Like you're more at risk of like falling off path, I think, if yeah, you don't have like like if my faith feels weak, like I, I have points of, like friends and points of reference to look at. And that um, like has a kind of indescribable like strengthening for me. It's like, I, I'm like, well, my, my friends believe like, you know, so I can too. I don't really ever doubt the existence of God. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really look like that, but you know, yeah, I mean, it's just like, I, I, but then at the same time, like we were saying before, I don't think it's good to like totally isolate yourself and like only speak to other Christians. I, as I became more Christian, I started to like really associate more with Christians, um, which is good because I need community, but I don't want to be like unable to talk to my neighbor who isn't Christian, you know? So I think that's important too, because then it's just like, you're not really spreading the faith or demonstrating to people that like Christians are good people since there's like actually yeah. so much stigma against Christians. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. I heard it explained once that like, Satan is the most powerful being ever created. He's like the most powerful and he's our enemy. So like ah. you call yourself a Christian and you're like, just going to go fight Satan alone. Good yeah. luck. <laughs> Like, the you know, Archangel Michael isn't even as powerful. You know, there's, like, so many beings that they're, like, eternal beings aren't even as powerful as your enemy. And you think you're just going to, like, be strong enough, be man enough to just fight him off? No, you need, A, the full armor of God. <laughs> you need everything on your walk, like, to help you and guard against. And then you also need the church. 
You need right. the collective body to help you fight off. There's this great book, and I've reviewed it on my stream before by Stephen Mansfield, uh, called Men on Fire. He might yeah. be doing justice, but he has this great explanation about why he's talking about men specifically, but it's also just Christians, where it's like, you can't fight your enemy alone. And he brings up this allegory of lions, how a lion versus a tiger, 100% of the time, a tiger will destroy that lion. It's not even a question. One lion fighting against another animal is really not that great. But you put five lions together and you insert five animals against them, five tigers, the lions will win every time. Because the lions are a pack. They're a band of brothers that work together. They use their spiritual gifts like together as a cohesive unit to fight their enemy. And when you don't, when you fight alone, <laughs> when you fight individual, like as individuals, you don't stand a chance, especially against some of the most powerful beings in existence, you know. But that's why that church, the church, is so useful and so necessary for us. Because you alone are powerless. You with God is pretty powerful. But you with God and his church, that's unstoppable. And we like abandon that so much. We are like, oh, it's, but it's not fun. <laughs> but I don't like certain people there. Or like, oh, yeah, I don't agree with all of it. It's not perfect for me, so. Yeah, it's not perfect. It's not entertaining. That's the yeah, big thing. Insert think... excuse here to not be a part of what you need to be a part of in some way, you know? Right. And I really think like TV and media has done this damage where people think that like church is supposed to be like entertain an entertaining show yeah. or something. It's a concert. And yeah, like yeah, a concert. You can see people actually make churches that are like concerts because of this this misguided. Yeah. Um, but it's like actually you show up and participate. Like you are the church. Like this is actually like. Honestly, like, you know, from my new age past, like we were around like Burning Man circles and they had this like whole, like their whole ethos was like participation. Mm -hmm. They're like, Burning Man doesn't happen unless like you make it happen and you're part of it. And like, that's actually like a good religious concept when applied to like, like the right thing, right? <laughs> like it's hurt, like you can go and like sing and like make the food and, and talk to people. Like it doesn't happen unless you show up. So it's not like you're just sitting there watching someone at the front, like you're a part of it. Like you're you're a part of it every Sunday, too, and like yeah, you can't do it by yourself. Or church doesn't happen. So yeah, I used to think I could just uh, like I don't need to go to church. I can just read the Bible alone. And I think a lot of people go through that phase. Um, but it turns out yeah, Hopefully it's a short-lived phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it didn't last too too long for me. But, <laughs> yeah, so. but yeah, it, it it's kind of like. Like you are tempted more if you're not with other Christians too. Like what what is the Bible quote that where where two or more are gathered in my name, like I am there. Um, it's kind of like that. Like I I went to an environment where I wasn't like it was like a city environment. And I wasn't around a lot of Christians, and I was like, I feel like the old like I feel like tempted here more. Like I'm weaker, kind of like I'm out of my community, and um, that was interesting perspective, but. So yeah, I'm I'm grateful we have uh, like friends around us that like go to our church and like we're all trying to like help each other because it's important. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wonder how many people are listening to this? Can you tell? Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Kind you don't get like a view count or anything. <laughs> I can kind of see. We got a couple on D Live. We got a couple on YouTube. Um, cool. 
two on Twitch. Twitch. I never used Twitch. Do you record this at all? And then is it just live and it goes away? Or No, yeah, I post it on my channel. So this will be like a podcast if people want to do that. I get more people that do that than watch it. Usually. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes who, who knows? I have two pretty girls on it. This might be the one episode that, you know, I get I get way more views. <laughs> so, oh, coincidentally, man. might be the one with a bunch of views on it. Uh, That's funny. <laughs> we will we'll post it to our Substack and whatnot. Although having a Substack is so cliche, but we have one. <laughs> yeah. But I'm in the hundreds. I usually every episode eventually will kind of get mid hundreds ish total views and watches. I'm That's not good. in the thousand level yet. I'm not cool yet. But oh, we're gonna get there. No. <laughs> we're we're gonna there. get you there. My based no. Bible study is not quite there yet. It's still, <laughs> <laughs> still kind of punk, cool underground, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna have its moment for sure. Breakthrough. You but just... I will have to uh, have to get you guys back on because I have like a whole giant thing of like questions and comments that we didn't get into, and I oh, didn't wow. realize that we were just talking for like two and a half hours. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. I feel like this was a fun conversation, but it was like nothing I wanted to talk about. So we're gonna have to have you back on and dive okay. into that stuff. Sure. Um, but before I ask my final question before we before we leave tonight, uh, do you want to do like plugs, shout outs? Let the people know where they can find oh. you, follow you. Yeah. Um we're both on Twitter. Amy is Amy the artist. Yeah. And I'm Julie Wrights. Uh, and then we also have a Substack called The Mystic Sisters, and uh, a YouTube channel, same uh, name of the same name, The Mystic Sisters. And I post, uh, I sell art on my website. Um, I can give you links, but um, I'm pretty like findable. I think oh, through my Twitter, there's a link tree, and you can just find everything I do there. But I sell, I make paintings, and I sell them, and I sell stickers, and I sell stickers of, of Mary and Jesus for Christmas. And um, yeah, it's good time to buy stickers. Yeah, so buy my stickers <laughs> and put go to cities and put them over the stupid. Yeah, yeah. like that's yeah. what I want to do. Yeah, like put wholesome art over all the degenerate stickers and bathrooms and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a good idea. Jesus is looking. Okay. Jesus on sticker yeah. campaigns. <laughs> yeah, to cover up what's ugly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus propaganda. Yeah. It was much more acceptable in uh, like San Diego, LA. I would do it, and I wouldn't feel bad about it because there's like you're putting a sticker next to like 20 other gross stickers, yeah, or you're covering up like curse words, right? <laughs> and then I'm yeah. like, and I'm here in Nashville, and I put a sticker up, and it like feels bad. Yeah, it's clean. It feels naughty because it's like, oh, here it's not like degenerate at least yeah. yet, you know. <laughs> like you lose some of your I am the scum now. I one one guy putting a sticker up is like scum of the earth now, apparently. Used to be cool oh. and hip and part of the community. <laughs> I would never put up stickers in my hometown. There's like none here. No. None. And um, clean. clean and nice. But like, and when I go to Pittsburgh and I go into like coffee shops and bars and stuff, I'm like, yeah, I'd put some Jesus stickers up here. Because there's already <laughs> like, it's already tra like gender flag or whatever. Yeah, transgender yeah. stickers and yeah. stuff. And I'm like, like wow. Well, mm. Need I some counter. this up with some truth. <laughs> I see your flag and I counter you. <laughs> yeah, love that. So anyway, that's what we wanted to plug. <laughs> did you have a final question? Or I thought you said that. Yeah, final question is: Did you have a fun time tonight? 
Yeah. We've been drawing the whole time. <laughs> I've been drawing just like silly yeah, little. Let's see the final. Wait, what else? That's not gonna look. <laughs> little mushroom cake. I don't know. Lolita's fun. I've just been sketching a fun doodle. Hers is way better. Look at hers. Well, I did. I did like a little lady in the clouds. Yeah, they're just like little cartoons. Some fire lady, yeah. fiery hair. I wasn't paying like two. Yeah, we were just doodling. I love when people are like so mod and they're like, oh, I don't know, I'm just kind of doodling a little bit, and then they're like showing up like a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> I do with that like I do like like trades, like construction, landscaping stuff. And people will just be like, yeah, whatever. I'll just like throw something. I'll throw a pipe on that real quick. And you just get blown away at like how easily someone can just like take a tool out, cut a pipe, fit a new pipe to it. You're like, ah, it would take me a day to figure that out. And he just did it in 10 seconds perfectly. That's awesome. And it's just so <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I was that, like, like, mo like, it's not false modesty. It's like authentic modesty where you're like, yeah, ah, whatever. I just sketched a little bit. You're like, you do realize you're like, Mind-blowing. <laughs> you just produced is mind-blowing right there. Yeah, That's whatever. the thing. <laughs> to make, to make like, good art and, and you know, and construction building things, that's art and art, too. It's like, you literally have to get out of the way and be humble, like, or you never learn. It's super humbling, because, yeah, you have to get out of the way and, like, let God do it, because if you're all in your ego, it's just, like, it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. Again, again, more paradoxes. You'd think it would take ego. It really doesn't. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. It was really fun. Yeah, no, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Let's do it again. Yeah, we should do it again. I'm looking forward to your stream about uh, uh, cities yeah. and rural. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, next couple of weeks, I'll, I'll message you when that one's out. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, I'll do good. it justice. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I like this. We have a lot of flow. Like, some. Some podcasts feel like it feels like we're like hanging out, right? Which is good yeah. and authentic. Some podcasts feel like really interview formal and like interviewing. <laughs> this one was like no, the first I, one I've ever done. I hate that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was just flow, just it's hanging awesome. out, talking about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to be more degenerate in my podcast. I used to live in LA and do like comedy podcasts. Oh. And even then, like, so now it's like embarrassing looking back. You're like so ashamed of it, right? But. <laughs> God put me in those places to learn certain things so that I can do this now. Yeah. Right. But like Great. just in general, like I never liked that. Like I would always interview comedians and bands and artists. And to me, like they always just get asked the same questions. Like every mm. band gets the same. Like, oh, how'd you come up with your band name? How'd you guys meet? What do you, you know? They could just get the same like vague questions about like, oh, so your style is like this. Like, why do you like this style? And then I would like get in these interviews with them, like podcasts, and be like, do you wash your apples? <laughs> do you think that straws have one hole or two holes? <laughs> and it was just like, they, they loved it because they're like, yeah, this is like the best interview ever because you just asked like interesting questions. Not like right. the same mindless, monotonous yeah. of answer this boring question about yourself. It's like... Now let's dig into like your philosophy in like a fun, yeah. silly way. Let's let's really let's break this band apart on a straw debate right now. <laughs> <laughs> let's tear this band apart. <laughs> hey, that's funny. I didn't know you had like a comedy and arts uh, podcast back. That makes a lot of sense actually. Now, yeah, we've done this. Oh, yeah. Now I use now I use the talents for good. Now I'm on yeah. mission. You know, it's not just mindless entertainment. And, 
Like we were talking about, me, me, me. I'm my podcast, and I'm so funny, and I do all the, you know. And now it's like, no, I'm going to have people on, and they're going to share their lives and their thoughts. We're going to talk about interesting things that might help motivate people, inspire people. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. Some of my favorite Christians are the ones with the whack, like the craziest backgrounds, like the degenerate backgrounds. (laughs) Like they like really know hell and came by Christianity like <laughs> really honestly like so um so yeah that's probably why we vibe um <laughs> so yeah good times yeah thanks for coming on and I'll see you at the uh Pennsylvania 4th of July crush fest yeah yeah <laughs> see you there yeah awesome bye All right. <laughs>